This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition and another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Hope you had a great weekend. There is lots for us to get to since we last talked on Friday afternoon. Shortly after we finished up Friday's program, Pierre-Luc Dubois of the Winnipeg Jets inked his qualifying offer. He's in for a one-year deal. will be an RFA with arbitration next year. And Pierre-Luc Dubois spoke with the Winnipeg and Montreal media this morning. We'll have plenty of content from that and discuss it coming up. And Mike McIntyre will also join us at the bottom of the hour. Mike was on the call. Mike asked a few questions and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be chopping this up for the next little while. Let you hear what PLD had to say. Give our thoughts on it and certainly welcoming your thoughts. Whether you're listening on the podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, or for everybody watching on YouTube, hit us up in the comments. And of course, for all you YouTubers as well, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily, 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we're also going to talk about a big win for the Bombers, 7-0. and However, a little bit of a different game, I think to say the least, on Friday night against the Edmonton Elks. Ted Wyman's going to jump on in the uh, second hour of the program. Looking forward to Ted's thoughts on uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but also the Bombers. Undefeated through seven games and now getting ready for a rematch with the Calgary Stampeders this weekend. So uh, a very packed show. We'll also get to the big blockbuster trade Friday night with Matthew Kachuk heading to the Florida Panthers. And a big weekend for Canadians. Um, our track team, uh, Brooke Henderson. Um, we're packed today. Great to have you with us. Hey, before I bring Michael Remus in, I do want to give a big shout out and thank you to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day, including Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, BP, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs. And, of course, our friends at Canadian Club. I think a few CC and Gingers were enjoyed on the weekend as well. Um, so welcome to everyone with us. Your thoughts always welcome in the YouTube chat. And let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, busy show coming up today. How was your weekend? Yeah, well, it really started. Okay, literally, like, one second after I hit end stream on Friday, I get, I get a DM from Lyndon, who's a frequent listener in chat, and he's like, it was the Dregger tweet, because I'm not on Twitter, I'm you know putting the podcast up. Literally one minute after we hit end stream, <laughs> it says, you can see the timestamp, like 3.30, and we went pretty late um, with the marble race on Friday. So I only have one conclusion. PLD listens, listens to the show, he was watching, he's like, when are they... When are they gonna gonna end? Then I will accept the offer. Not because the deadline was like four o'clock. It was because he was clearly listening. Um, and he knew incredible. We were working on a, a on a logo for Dubois drama, as it's been such a big topic over the last week on Winnipeg Sports Talk going forward. Um, yeah, that was somewhat unfortunate for the program, and you know that was the uh, the proverbial late Friday news dump, if you will. 
um, Dubois signing that deal. But that being said, from a Winnipeg Jets standpoint, that's a great thing. Um, you know, I'd said I was kind of, you know, of the opinion that going to arbitration would be um, the way the Winnipeg Jets should have gone. They would have had the clarity. But obviously, I think that they've been speaking with the sides, regardless of what they were talking about, whether it involved a potential trade or not, we'll probably never know. Um, but the fact that he signed the qualifying offer does, in my opinion, make him more easy to be traded for this year. I mean, a reasonable salary. And then, you know, if he does go elsewhere, uh, restricted free agency next year. So a, a team that gets Pierre-Luc Dubois would be able to, to negotiate a new contract. But what's most important, I think, in the short term, assuming that Dubois is going to be here, is that he'll be in camp. There will be nothing preventing him from coming in, being a part of the team, and moving forward, hopefully with a great start to the season, uh, because we certainly know that the Winnipeg Jets need that. Now, um, today, Pierre-Luc Luc Dubois did speak, and uh, we're going to be getting to those comments in just a minute. We'll get to a whole few, uh, a, a number of those. Um, I know many of you were in on the Jets YouTube channel listening. Um, shout out to the, the WST gang taking over the uh, taking over Winnipeg Sports YouTube. Um, but in all of that, Remo, it, it is funny um, that we will hear this. Uh, Friday, we were talking about, of course, what was happening with Dubois. The Bombers were playing. The Blue Jays were massacring the Red Sox. And then late Friday night, we got the news that there has been a blockbuster trade of Matthew Kachuk. The first ever sign and trade in NHL history. He is signed by the Calgary Flames, traded to the Florida Panthers for a package that included a prospect, a first rounder, and Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. Um, I don't know what we've got on the screen. Yeah, here, I, but, uh, I, something just happened here. I don't know what. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm not we've, got sure an, what, we've got an interesting look. Um, I'm not sure what said, something just happened. Hold on. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, for you folks listening on the podcast, this means nothing to you. For those of you watching on YouTube, we've got sort of a an interesting screen on there. We're back to normal. Uh, but holy smokes, did Brad Treleving, um do a job under very, very difficult circumstances to get Uyghur and Huberto? Now, I mean, the big part of that is that there's one year left on both of those t t uh, contracts. And they're both unrestricted free agents. But as we kind of get ready to listen to Pierre-Luc Dubois and what we sort of didn't hear from Dubois, we certainly did hear from the two new members of the Calgary Flames that they're both open to a long-term contract with the Flames. So uh, I don't know. I think Brad Living did an incredible job getting the assets back that he did for Matthew Kuchuk considering the circumstances that he was in. Yeah, a couple things. One, I mean, the Pierre-Luc Dubois accepted the qualifying offer Friday. You know, we don't have any uncertainty about his contract. If you want to trade him, you know what he's going to get this year. You know, whether it was one year or, or two year, I mean, he's made his intentions um, known through Elliot Friedman, and we'll get to that reporting. Uh, and then, yeah, we had a couple moves Friday. Uh, the Kachuk one was the big blockbuster move. I thought the Flames did amazing, considering you had one player who wasn't going to sign there long term. Now you get two players. They're both, you know, I was like, well, why would Florida do this? Well, Uyghur and Huberto both. UFAs and if they weren't in Florida's long-term plans you get a player who is in your long-term plans now that you sign him to this eight-year contract um with what 9.5 million AV. so you like that I think definitely hurts Florida's defense um depth losing Uyghur and they also trade another first-round pick after trading first-round picks for Giroux and Ben Sherratt this uh trade deadline so I think Florida, they may take a step back, but having Kachuk, you know, in his prime 24, 
for eight seasons. That's a huge one. The other trade kind of went under the radar, but I thought this was a big move for Seattle. Oliver Bjorkstrand um, going from Columbus after they signed Line A. That was on Friday. They basically had to cap dump Bjorkstrand, who they just signed long-term last year. But I think that's... 28 goals and just about 60 points last season. I mean, that was a stunning, stunning trade, which goes to show how difficult it is to move money right now in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Uh, even for a younger, very productive player like Bjorkstrand. That's crazy that he would go for only picks um, after having such a great season. And I think it's poor, poor cap management there by, by well, Carl. Hey, Although it's possible that Goudreau might have been sprung. That wasn't in their plan, and it, that it came was, up. It was quite clear. I mean, Yarmo Kekalainen said, all of a sudden we had a chance to get this guy, and we had to do it. Yeah. I mean, knowing what we know now, did they sign Eric Goodbranson to four years at $4 million? Not a chance, I don't think. I mean, I think they'd take their lumps and figure out another way to get another blue liner on there if they didn't have to trade uh, trade Bjorkstrand, who was signed for another four years at a pretty affordable deal, just north of $5 million. So it was a wild Friday in sports and in the National Hockey League. But the big news when it comes to Winnipeg was the uh, was Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, and, of course, the, bi- the big bomber win. We're going to get to the bombers with Ted Wyman in hour two of the program uh, but Remo, I know a lot of people were not able to tune in to hear Pierre-Luc Dubois. So let's get to some of his uh, his comments. And um, we may as well start it off with the way that it started off. Ken Weeb signed, uh, opened up and um, Weber simply asked him about um, signing the qualifying offer and being back as of now on a one-year deal with the Winnipeg Jets for next season. Yeah, well, um, you know, after the season ended, uh, me, and, um, me and my agent started talking and you know, different situations, different scenarios. And we felt that, uh, at this time, the one year deal, um, I think was, was the way we wanted to go. And, um, you know, you hear so many things of, uh, things that I apparently said, or I apparently did. And a lot of it is, uh, you know, frustrating to read some things that I didn't even know I did, or, you know, that I, I didn't do or didn't say, but, um, at this time, the one-year deal, um, the qualifying offer was the way we wanted to go. Um, you know, there's never a doubt of holding out or forcing anything. Um, you know, you read stuff that, you know, he wants out of Winnipeg. If I wanted out of Winnipeg, I would have asked for a trade. I didn't ask for a trade. Um, I, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to show up to camp. Uh, you know, once we figured out the one-year deal was the way to go, we were just waiting for the qualifying offer and then waiting for that. and. Um, you know, then we signed that and now I'm, I'm going to camp and excited to meet everybody, the new coaching staff, the new players, um, you know, talk to the coach, um, you know, Saturday or Sunday. And I'm just uh, really excited to get it going this year. All right. So, uh, there was the, uh, the first answer from Pierre-Luc Dubois off a question, a very simple question from Ken Weeb as to how it came about that, um, you know, the one year deal was the, was the right answer. Now. I mean, he did immediately get to some things that obviously were bothering him um, that, you know, maybe some of the things that have been said in in certain parts of the media, he didn't believe were exactly true. Well, he certainly had the opportunity to clarify that. And I guess you can be the judge for yourself whether he did that or not. Uh, Weber did follow up, though, and asked him something I think all Winnipeg Jets fans wanted some clarity to, and that is if Pierre-Luc Dubois is open to a long-term commitment with the Winnipeg Jets. Are you open then to a longer-term relationship with the Jets after this contract is up? Yeah, after this contract's up, uh, then we'll deal with it. And uh, the one-year deal, 
now my job is to play hockey again. You know, when you don't have a contract, you're a free agent. But now that I have a contract, I'm a Winnipeg Jet. And I'm really looking forward to, to playing this year because last year was a, was a disappointing year for the team. And um, we have a lot of the same guys this year. And um, I'm my whole focus right now is, as we speak right now, I worked out this morning was to, to get ready this morning. And you know, tomorrow I'm going back in the gym. And, you know, the rest of the summer will just to be to, to concentrate on getting ready for training camp. And, uh, to prepare for this year. All right. So there's uh Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, the one thing that he didn't say there was yes. Uh, so, um, I mean, I understand this was difficult for him. Uh, the, he, uh, his agent, I'm sure. And I'm probably the Winnipeg jets felt that this was necessary, um, to go and meet the media and try and clear the air a little bit about where he and his camp is after signing this deal and heading into next season. But Remo, I don't know about you. I mean, it's impossible to not talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois and his situation with the Winnipeg Jets right now without keeping a keen eye on what's happened to provinces west in Calgary, where, you know, if you had had conversations with Matthew Kachuk last year at this time, um, if he was on a one-year deal, he had one year left, and of course he had a $9 million qualifying offer, Um I'm sure he would have said similar things. You know, I'm focused on this year going forward. Um, I didn't get a lot of optimism that, you know, for all the things that have been reported and said, that one of the things that hadn't been said is Pierre-Luc Dubois is open to a long-term contract. He had plenty of opportunities to say exactly that. And, um, well, I never heard it. He was asked a number of times, is he, you know, about a long-term, and he evaded the answer every time, including there and i just want to i was trying to remember why are we even talking about this at all <laughs> and it was like why why is this you know what are all the rumors and speculation that he keeps bringing up and i was like oh yeah it was during the stanley cup playoffs and intermission elliot friedman reported during the the first intermission of game four during the stanley cup final so everyone saw it that he informed the winnipeg jets that his current plan was to test unrestricted free agency when eligible in the summer of 2024. So I think, you know, people want to hear clarity on that. And if he came out and said, I have told them, you know, I think you would, you would understand that. But the repeated, you know, non-answers, and we can get to a couple more questions, I think. I'm going to put a poll and see what, what other people think. But, yeah, I don't doesn't seem like he is even open to considering signing with the Jets going by in Calgary where Huberto and Uyghur met the media today and the clips I'm seeing on Twitter from them are, oh yeah, they would they would at least consider it. And I, I'm not sure if I heard that. I just heard what I kind of predicted. You know, I'm focused on this season. Uh, I'm a Winnipeg Jet today. I've been working out all summer and I'm, I'm trying to do yeah. my best. And that's what he's going to say. But it's every time he's asked about long term, he was kind of like, well, and again, we'll 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 play some more of it, and people can have some questions. Richard Bennett says, "I understand this was difficult for him." Quoting me, Hustler says, "But seriously, he's in a position where he doesn't have to commit to a team that could sink. Why commit then? No problem. But I mean, just say that. Just say I'm going to see how things go. I'm not sure. And he sort of did get to that a little later on. But um, I mean, as Michael Remus said, I mean, this is entirely this whole situation." All, which has been great for us. All the extra people in here, everyone talking about this and talking about the Jets and talking about BLD all week. This was entirely their own doing. I mean, it sure as hell wasn't the Jets that were leaking to Elliot Friedman 
that Dubois was planning on uh, testing unrestricted free agency. And it was Dubois' own agent that got everyone going in Quebec when he spoke as openly as he did with the, with the media there. So, I mean, this is a self-inflicted wound, if you will, if that is what it is, and that's the way it's being perceived by Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I mean, what the hell are Winnipeg fans supposed to think when this has sort of been what's coming up? And this is what I think a lot of people had hoped that would sort of have be have the air cleared today. And I guess in some ways it did. And the other thing I'll say just to that point, and he might not say yes to, I would consider a long-term deal, but a lot can change over the course of a year. First of all, he could be traded and we're not even having this conversation anymore. And I think that's still probably highly likely. Um, but maybe the team and he in particular has a great season, feels comfortable here. And I mean, it absolutely could be a different story at the end of the year. Um, but right now there is great questions about Pierre-Luc Dubois' long-term future. And I don't know how it could be any other way considering what's happened over the last little while. Kelly Moore was next up. Kelly asked him about the story of him being at the draft. Certainly it was reported that he was there with family, thinking or expecting that he would be traded to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and he also asked if he intends to test unrestricted free agency, which didn't really get answered. But uh, here's uh, Dubois responding to Kelly Moore regarding the NHL draft in Montreal. Uh, Pierre Luke, you, you mentioned to Ken that there were some things that you apparently did uh, uh, or that were reported on that you allegedly did. Can you expand on some of those? And, and uh, for sure, is there any accuracy in you having informed the Jets, whether it's directly or through your agent, uh, that you intend to go to the free agent market when you're eligible in the summer of 2024? Uh, I mean, I read some things. <laughs> it's funny. Um, you know, it's frustrating sometimes to read them, but you know, I saw a thing. It's like, you know, I went to the draft thinking that I was going to get traded. I went to the draft cause I live 15 minutes from the arena. I'm a fan of hockey. Um, you know, my bank invited me. They had a box with food and dinner and, um, you know, it was the Thursday night. It's an entertaining night. I mean, I'm a fan of hockey. I, I used to go to drafts when I was a kid. Um, I spent half the night with my dad and he spent half the night uh, with the, the organization. You know, if, uh, if I was invited to go with the jets, I would have gone with them, but you know, I got invited by my bank. So I, I went to the bank. Um, you know, you hear stuff that he, I wanted out of Winnipeg. If I wanted out, like I said, I would have asked for a trade. I didn't ask for a trade, not for one second. It didn't cross my mind for a second to ask for a trade. Um, so you just see these things and, you know, nowadays with, with, with social media, um, it goes so fast. Articles come out every second and, you know, some of them are 99% wrong and, you know, you still read and you still wonder if it's true. So there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of, of, uh, speculation. So now it's, I'm, I'm finally happy that, you know, you guys get to hear it from me, from, from the source, uh, the man himself. All right. So there was a little bit on, uh, the, uh, the stories around him attending the draft uh, nothing to do with the potential trade. He was just there enjoying a nice spread in a private box with his bank and got a chance to say hi to dad, who was there as well as part of the, uh, part of the Winnipeg Jets, um, congregation. So Kelly did take another crack at it, um, to see if he intends to get to unrestricted free agency. Um, this is how that attempt went. To, to go back again, Pierre-Luc, uh, is it accurate 
that you or or your uh, representation has informed the Jets that you would like to test the free agent market uh, when you become eligible to do so in the summer of 2024? Yeah, we, we, we talked with the team. Um, we had conversations and like I said, I, I thought that the, the best thing um, was to do the one-year deal, the qualifying offer. And now that's taken care of. Uh, my contract is signed. Um, I'm ready to go for the season. And next summer will be next summer. I mean, next summer, um, you know, I'll, I'll be a restricted free agent again. Um, and then it'll be another decision. But, you know, for, for now, I don't have to think about this anymore. It's been, it's been on my, you know, you try not to think about it because you can't control it. You know, all I could do is play this year and to the best I could and, and then let my agent and, and the team talk. But, um, you know, you, it's still your life. So you still think about it a lot. Now it's signed. Now there's no more thinking about that. Now it's just getting ready for the season. All right. So uh, there was uh, another crack. Shout out to Kelly Moore for asking it directly as possible. Um and, uh, and listen, as I said, you know, and Dubois mentioned later on that he wasn't looking forward to this. I mean, you're 24 years old. You got 25 or 30 media from both Winnipeg and Montreal. There's been so much talk about his situation. I mean, it's probably uncomfortable. Um, but at the same time, I'm not really too sure how much more he was able to or, or did succeed in clarifying what the position is with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it certainly sounds like, from my perspective, unrestricted free agency and free agency and making his own choice is what they're doing. And I, personally, I'd far rather just hear that than beating around the bush. Um, but from the Winnipeg Jets standpoint, I think they're quite comfortable going into this season with Dubois signed on a one-year deal and they'll do what's best for the team. But I think it's quite clear that what's best for the team is going to involve a trade at some point if they can't get his name on a long-term contract. And as of right now, we're certainly not hearing a lot of things that would make Jet fans optimistic that he'll be staying here long-term. Now, as we mentioned before, where all of this came from um, was entirely from the Dubois camp. I mean, it was the leak to Friedman, and then it, of course, was the comments of Pat Brisson, some of the things that we'd heard happening in and around the draft. Uh, and Mike McIntyre asked Pierre-Luc Dubois if he knew Brisson was going to make the comments that he did that started so many of these conversations out of Montreal. I'm just wondering when your agent made those comments, was that something you were aware he was going to say? And, and I guess, do you feel like comments like that maybe add some fuel to the fire and maybe box the Winnipeg jets into a bit of a corner? Um, I think, you know, I, when you're a free agent, um, you know, I'm sitting at home watching TV, working out, not doing much. Um, you know, my agent, uh, when you're a free agent, you can talk to teams. You can, you can talk to multiple teams. You can talk to any team um, you want. Uh, I think, to be honest, I saw the comments that he made. I think people were blowing them out of proportion. Um, I think people took, you know, took a little thing and blew it up times 20. Um, and I, it's fine. You know, everybody can, can read into it what they want. Uh, to be honest, I didn't think anything too much of it. I think, uh, you know, what's said sometimes and what actually happens and what's actually being said, you know, in these meetings can be, uh, taken out of, out of context. And uh, that's how, that's how I see it. I mean, 
yeah, I just thought it was, it was overblown the reaction. And then, you know, I think some people just ran with, with the two seconds uh, that they liked or didn't like to hear. I mean, I got news for, uh, for PLD. Um, he might've thought that that was taken out of context and blown out of proportion. But when we talked to the likes of Dave Poulin, we heard John Shannon on OB this week. I mean, this just simply doesn't happen, especially with respected agents like Pat Brisson, who are as experienced as they are of throwing things like that out on a RFA with two years left. Um, just casually, um, frankly, I mean, you know what happens, especially in Montreal. So, um, I mean, I guess Pierre-Luc Dubois can think that way, but I'm sorry, that doesn't jive with probably the way most of the general public and Winnipeg Jet fans, and I'm sure the organization as well thought when they heard that coming from Pat Brisson. Now, Marat had a couple uh, good ones. He, he asked first about just the concept of team control, and Dubois said, hey, he knows what the rules are. He has no issues with the rules. That is what it is. But then Marat asked him, um, very directly um, about not really answering these questions clearly and fueling speculation himself. This is a very interesting back and forth. This is how it sounded. Do you in your chair now when asked, you know, do you plan on testing unrestricted free agency? You don't really say yes or no. Do you plan on having a long-term relationship with the Winnipeg Jets? You don't really say you're at yes or no. You sort of back to the future being a few different options and all that sort of stuff. Do you realize now that you're adding to the speculation that you sort of speak to not really enjoy or not want by not being able to give a clear answer to that? Yeah, and I understand that. And I understand that it's your guys' job um, at the same time. And when I don't give you much, it's easier to, to speculate on what I want and what I don't want. You know, like I I saw the thing where, you know, you said that I went to the draft in hopes that I was going to get traded. That's was false. Um, but it's, I'm just happy now that, you know, you can speak, we can speak about it and um, I can try to clear things up, uh, you know, to the best I can. But, you know, this, this one year deal is the way that we, we thought we should go. Um, and I know next summer we're going to have the same questions and we're probably going to be, <laughs> we could be having the same call next summer, but that's next summer. Um, for now, my mind is just getting ready on the season and, um, to meet the coaching staff, to, to meet the new guys on the team, to get ready. Um, you know, last year was a disappointing year. Um, so really, really looking forward. I think we have a good team. I, I said it last year and I'll say it again. Um, I'm just excited to get, to get back to Winnipeg and to, to have a, try to have a good year. All right. So there's a little bit more Pierre-Luc Dubois from his media availability earlier today. I mean, the one thing that I did take out of it, he certainly seems to have a good attitude about the upcoming season. Said that he had a great conversation with Rick Bonus. is legitimately excited to get back with the guys um, and try and be a much better team than last year. And in the short term, that is great. Um, I mean, you certainly don't want to have an outwardly unhappy player. And that doesn't seem to be the case. And you down last year, you want to have a very motivated player. And a guy like Dubois and his situation coming in on a one-year deal should be exactly that. Now, to his point, whether we're going to hear uh, this same song and dance next year, uh, I have a feeling the answer to that is no. I think there'll be some clarity one way or the other. And if the Winnipeg Jets, whether he plays out the entire season, find out that you know the situation is still the same and he's looking to become an unrestricted free agent, at that point, even more so than right now, 
much like we saw in Jacob Truba's case with one year left of of team control, um, that um, a deal was made. The same that, song and dance had, next had to year. Be made. So uh, we've got Mike McIntyre coming up. There's a, uh, We'll save these other clips, actually. Billick had a couple beauties, and Jeff Hamilton got in at the end as well. We'll play that maybe after we chat with Mike on this very topic. And then don't forget Ted Wyman coming up a little later on with us to uh, talk about the Bombers going to 7-0 and in very strange fashions Friday night in Edmonton. Um, just before we do that, Big shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market who have great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Now's the time to get your barbecue on, folks. And Vita Health has delicious lean bison steaks, burgers, and chicken, hot dogs, burgers, and great non-alcoholic drink options like Sober Carpenter Beer and Clever Mocktails. Everything you need for a great summer day hosting friends and family. Don't forget about those delicious lunch options as well, like Vita Market salad soup sandwiches at more at the Vita Health or Vita Market Grab and Go Deli. And if you can't make it down to the stores, visit one of their visit their fully new shoppable website, myvita.ca, to buy online, schedule a delivery, or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Well, last week was a record-breaking week for us here on WST. You came through, so we did for you. We had our suit day last week. We'll probably do a couple more of those, hopefully. Uh, and, of course, we'll be rocking suits from our friends over at F Apparel. F Apparel is the leading outfitter for men's custom suits here in the city of Winnipeg. Tons of the Jets, our friends in the media. Get suited up at F Apparel if you need to... Uh, Maybe up the wardrobe heading into the fall and winter. Get on down to F Apparel right now. Get suited up. Custom suits starting at $400. And a great summer deal right now. Three custom shirts for just $210. Pop by and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown or make an appointment or find out more online at fephapparel.com. And uh, our friends at Wallace and Wallace are busy, busy right now. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They're, of course, the leader in fences and overhead doors serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. And in addition to overhead doors, if you're at the lake on the weekend and a boathouse dock door caught your eye, chances are it's one of theirs as well. They can come out and see you at the cabin as well. Find out more, 452-2700. You can make arrangements for one of the Wallace experts to come out, check out the property, give you a free estimate, and they'll also do service on your boathouse uh, door as well. If uh, the high water has left you uh, dealing with it, um, Wallace and Wallace, visit them at wallacefences.com or wallacedoors.com, or you can also pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. A big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. Some more big ones coming out of the water on the weekend. We'll be there in a couple of weeks. Find out more at akinslake.com on how you can plan an incredible friends and family trip or a corporate retreat at uh, the Diamond of Manitoba, off the grid, but just on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg at akinslake.com. All right, let's get Mike McIntyre in here. Mike, what's up? How was the weekend? Uh, the weekend was pretty good, Huss. Uh, of course, all, all kind of waiting with nervous and anxious anticipation to see what Pierre-Luc Dubois would say today once we uh, saw that he had accepted the qualifying offer. And maybe some degree of trepidation wondering whether there was going to be another shoe to drop over the weekend when it came to the Jets and uh, and the roster. Of course, nothing did happen. There was some big news in the hockey world 
with regards to trades, none of it involving the local club. But uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, nice, nice weather. Uh, got to enjoy the great outdoors and looking forward to another week here. I'm actually on holidays after this week, heading down to the Twin Cities, Huss. Looking forward to uh, probably joining, I, I suspect, a few thousand Manitobans who will be descending upon the Twin Cities to watch the Blue Jays uh, at the end of next week. So heading down there with my son and my dad and my brother and uh, should be a good time. Oh, beautiful. By the way, hey, shout out to Dave. Thanks for becoming a supporter of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to get another member along with the uh, WST crew. All right, Mike, let's get to it. Uh, they signed signed the offer sheet, um, the qualifying offer, I should say. It's one year, $6 million deal. I think that's great for both sides. The Jets certainly know that, you know, they have know what the cost is for Pierre-Luc right. Dubois. I, like many, thought that might facilitate a trade, which did not happen over the weekend. And then we heard that Pierre-Luc Dubois would be speaking this morning, and uh, he, of course, is there. You were on the call. Um, what did you make of what we had to hear from Pierre-Luc Dubois? And do you think that he accomplished what he set out to when uh, – you figured we better get out in front of this and speak to people today. Well, let me start by saying uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and I have a few things uh, not in common. And one of those would be is I actually know what I'm having for dinner tonight, Huss. I'm having pickerel. Looking forward to that dinner. Pierre-Luc Dubois tells us that he's a guy who doesn't know what he's having for dinner tonight, let alone what he's doing tomorrow or next week or next year or six years from now. Um, look, I... I, I thought we got the Pierre-Luc Dubois that I kind of expected we would get. He's a guy who is a fairly straight shooter. Uh, I know some people think that he kind of spoke in riddles today and a lot of non-answers. I, I think he was probably coached by his agent ahead of today uh, in terms of how to handle this. Um, but I thought we got, you know, a pretty candid Pierre-Luc Dubois, granted one that well, he didn't throw gasoline on the fire. He also didn't really throw water on it either. Um, you know, he he was asked, and, and you've mentioned already, that I think, you know, we in the media kind of came at him a few different ways. In some cases, asked the same question a few different ways uh, and, and really didn't get maybe the answers we wanted. I'm not sure that we expected to get answers. He, he didn't exactly put speculation to rest about uh, where he might be in a year or specifically two from now when he's a UFA. But I think what he did do, Huss, um, is some damage control, at least in this market, for the short term. Um, you know, I think he said the things you would hope he would say for a guy who's under contract now again for this team. And, you know, I've heard a lot of concern about what kind of Pierre-Luc Dubois are we going to get? Are we going to get what we saw, you know, his last shift in Columbus. Um, I, I personally don't believe that's really who he is, and nor do I expect that that player is going to come out. But to hear Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of talk about his commitment, at least in the short term, for the next year anyways, to the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I, I imagine the Jets liked what they heard, but it doesn't make his future any less cloudy. And you know, I think he was given a number of chances today to kind of flat out say, um, no, Winnipeg is somewhere where I would really, I, I could envision finishing my career here. He never said that. He didn't discount the idea of Montreal. He kind of likened it to other players uh, 
you know, whether it's from New York or Florida or even Winnipeg, he said guys that like the dream of maybe playing for their hometown. So I think, you know, maybe it gets put to bed a little bit here for the short term, but I don't think this issue is going away. No, I don't think so either. And I mean, of course, we had that record-breaking show last Monday, and it was all directly related to um, the Dubois drama that continued to kind of be the engine of sports talk around here. Oh, and Remus has the logo already set up. Now. Oh, just, you know what? You know, well, I guess the question is, uh, Mike, based on today, um, did he do much to sort of quell the, quote, drama around it? I mean, listen, I think that he's going to come and he's going to play hard, but this is not about... I mean, once you know that the guy signed and he's going to be there and hopefully being professional and giving his 100%, I mean, this the entire drama around Dubois is more about his long-term future in Winnipeg and are the Jets going to be forced into trading a player that they would love to have here long-term? I don't think they did anything to diminish that today. No, I agree. I think the only thing that's really changed, Huss, from when you and I spoke a week ago is the goalposts have maybe moved a little bit here. And I think... You know, rather than we were talking a week ago about, you know, his qualifying offer and whether the team might elect arbitration. I mean, those deadlines now passed. Um, we know there's no offer sheet coming. That was another thing that was kind of in the back of our mind. Um, there won't be a training camp holdout, although I don't like that term. You know, if he's not under contract, he's not holding out. We know that Pierre-Luc Dubois will come to camp again as long as he's not traded by the jets between now and, and September. I think when the next kind of artificial deadline comes where things will heat up in a significant way will be the trade deadline next year. Um, because again, the $6 million contract he signed is a pretty fair one. I think it's one that a lot of teams could live with. And to me, Huss, the market really opens for Pierre-Luc Dubois outside the Montreal market at the trade deadline, much more so than right now, uh, because you're going to get some teams inevitably by February that will feel that they're one really good player away from being, you know, not just a contender, but maybe the favorite. And we've already seen the high prices teams are willing to pay, you know, under pressure at trade deadlines. And in the case of Pierre-Luc Dubois, he wouldn't be a pure rental at the trade deadline because he would still be under team control for one more year. So uh, a Florida, a Colorado, I mean, you could go down the list. They would have him for two playoff runs, not one potentially. And as a result, the Jets might be able to squeeze more out of a team and open up a market that right now is really a market of one, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And if you're the Habs, and you're probably not taking a run at the Stanley Cup in the next year or two anyways, you don't have to rush. You can sit back and see how this develops. But I think for the Jets as well, Haas, and I got to think this is part of their mindset, and again, based on what we heard today from Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't know that that door is absolutely shut. I mean, let's just say the Jets go on a tear this year. What if, what if the Jets have a great season? And Pierre-Luc Dubois is driving the bus on that. I mean, does he, and he talked about that today, how he doesn't know how he'll feel a day, a week, a month, a year from now. What if, what if he's of a completely different mindset come February and this ultimately becomes water under the bridge? 
Now, if I were a betting man, I don't know that I'd want to place a whole lot of money on that happening. <clears throat> but that's why I say the Jets have bought themselves some time. And perhaps there's another plot twist or two to the Dubois drama, as uh, as Remus has uh, has fired up the, the graphic. Uh, maybe there's another plot twist to come that we didn't anticipate. And by not kind of rushing into anything, you leave that door open. And look, we just saw things can move really fast sometimes in the hockey world. Did anybody anticipate Matthew Kachuk wouldn't be a Calgary Flame a week or two ago? Look look at what's happened now. The reverse can sometimes be true. What maybe seemed inevitable, sometimes time can really change the course of, of you know, what you think is going to be happening. So, yeah, it, it does create some drama some additional drama, but I think it, it also kind of punts it down the road a little bit. And if for the Jets, the last thing they probably needed was another distraction right now and heading into this season. And for now, anyways, they've kind of eliminated the Dubois distraction. Yeah, I mean, somewhat, although the questions are still there um, and they're not going anywhere, especially if we hear answers like we heard today. And, you know, listen, I, I mean, I do sort of get, I mean, to be in his position and to have that much of a spotlight on you, uh, and of course, it wasn't his doing. I mean, it was his agent that had been pulling the strings, and he was the one that commented the way that he did publicly about the Montreal Canadiens. Right. I mean, this is entirely an issue of their own doing. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that give the Jets a hard time for a lot of things. The Jets have done app like they've had no part in this whatsoever, with the exception no. of setting up this Zoom call today for <laughs> him to answer the questions, Mike. Yeah, and, and you know, I, some people were actually surprised that the Jets kind of trotted him out. I mean, I'm not. I think when you have a high-profile player who re-ups a contract, traditionally you would have an availability with that player. So I'll say this. I mean, again, the Jets haven't done anything wrong here. So uh, I was going to say credit to the Jets for kind of being transparent here. But, I mean, they, they don't have anything to lose really by – having Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of face the music and kind of by getting it out of the way now, as opposed to letting it continue to fester, you know, and, and becoming kind of the focal point at training camp. Uh, they've kind of now got that out of the way, but look, I, some will say that this is going to come across as me being a Dubois defender. And I admit, I, I, I really like the player. I like a lot of what Pierre-Luc Dubois brings, but I thought Jeff Hamilton, my colleague, put it really well in his question today to Pierre-Luc Dubois, where he said, you know, can anyone really blame you for wanting to take a wait-and-see approach? I mean, look at what's happened with this team in the last 12, 18 months. Um, you know, from high expectations to kind of crashing and burning, the coach quits, you know, the, the COVID and what that did. I mean, that's that was his introduction to this market, playing in empty arenas, his own struggles, you know, this has not been an easy transition, I don't imagine, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So the CBA is what it is. It, it, In a lot of ways, it gives power to owners, to teams. And in some ways, the players don't have a whole lot of power and control. But a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of faced with his next big contract or you know the big contract here in his career he's got some power and control and should we really blame him for 
taking a cautious approach. Now, as you say, some of this extra um, fanfare and speculation has been specifically his agents doing, which I think what we heard today from Pierre-Luc Dubois, his agent didn't do or say anything that the player didn't agree with. In fact, he said Pat Brisson is the best agent in the game, and I wouldn't have him if I didn't think that. So Pierre-Luc Dubois has obviously signed off on everything his agent has said. But I don't begrudge Pierre-Luc Dubois for not jumping in with both feet and and signing a, a an eight-year extension with the Jets as much as they would have liked. If he really does want to wait and see how things play out, that just puts added pressure on the whole organization for this coming year to kind of get it right. And Pierre-Luc Dubois mm. isn't the only guy in that <laughs> boat. They got you know Connor Hellebuck. I suspect if we had had a Zoom with Connor Hellebuck today, we might have heard some of those same kind of comments from a guy that is two years from potentially walking. Yeah, to listen, uh, but Connor Hellebuck already signed a six-year extension here in Winnipeg. Right. And, uh, I mean, listen, I was saying those exact same things at the end of last season. I mean, you know, we were speaking with you and with Jeff and the rest of the guys on this program. I'm like, are we really in a good position? Are the Jets in a really good position to ink guys to eight-year extensions, not knowing who the coach is? I mean, of course not. Yeah. But I would have, and I think most fans would probably feel a little bit more optimistic or thinking that that is a little bit more realistic if on one of the million times he was teed up with an opportunity to say, after this season, I'll certainly consider my options. And one of those options might be staying in here long-term and signing. He never even got to that. And it was almost comical at times how the answer would start of sort of swerve away from the original intent of the question to not get it out. And I mean, honesty, honestly, Mike, I appreciate honesty. Um, If, you know, if he had said, hey, you know what, this is going to be my one chance in my career in the prime to hit unrestricted free agency. I think I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't do that. Um, I'll, at that point, take in all the information that I have and make a decision. I could live with that. But it's almost like there was a, a, I got a sense of like, I can't believe everyone's talking about this. Why are you doing this? I've just done this. Well, it's pretty clear why we've been talking about this and why fans are feeling the way they have been with the reports and what we've heard over the course of the last five, last week plus. Yeah. Now, Pierre-Luc Dubois, to be fair to his comments today, he took issue with some of the reporting that's been done. And I, I, I would suggest specifically with what's come out of Montreal. Um, Haas, I, like, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, TMZ style, National Enquirer style, clickbaity journalism. Um, and I, I would suggest that there have been elements of that, especially coming out of Quebec on this story. I mean, some of it, how legitimate is the journalism? Some of it is just social media. It's Twitter um, it's people speculating uh, and, you know, in some cases, maybe flat out making things up. But, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois today said that he takes issue with some of what's been reported. And one specific report that he really teed off on was the athletics report that he went to the draft in Montreal with the expectation of being traded. Now, he flat out said today that's false. That's not why he was there. He said he spent half the draft with his dad, who spent time with the Jets at the draft. And so in a way, there's almost, you know, one degree of separation there. And he said, if I had been invited to come to the draft by the Jets, I would have come to the draft with the Jets. He said, I was invited by my bank 
and I was in a suite and it's 15 minutes from my rink and I love, I'm, I'm a hockey fan. So I wanted to take it in. So he said, I didn't go to the draft expecting to be, get traded. I wasn't disappointed that I didn't get traded. And and those reports have been, been out there. So I guess what I'm saying, Huss, is personally, I take, I take a little bit of what's come out with a bit of a grain of salt, especially what's come out from out East where there might be certain motives in place. Again, you have to almost consider the source in some cases. I have no doubt there are some in Montreal that would love Pierre-Luc Dubois to kind of build the franchise around him and some of their young stars. Does that include uh, Pat Brisson? Right. Well, perhaps. And, you know, I, I think if you're Pat Brisson, at the end of the day, what you really want is you want to you want your player to go where he's going to make the most money. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, he, he may, that may be Winnipeg, that may be Montreal, that may be somewhere else. And that's part of why buying some time is really interesting to me here, Huss. Just because Montreal would really love this player today, we don't know what the next year or six months, nine months, one year, two years are going to bring in Montreal. I mean, a number, I've already seen now speculation, surprise, surprise, it's coming out of Montreal, that they're going to make a run at Jonathan Huberto. Um, you know, he's a UFA in a year. I, I saw one person saying that they're going to get Huberto and Dubois. I, 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 you know, so I, I think, again, you have to take it with yeah, a bit for of Yeah, for Dvorak and Anderson. Right. And a second round pick. And a second round, yeah. I mean, look, <clears> to boil down specifically Pat Brisson's answer about Montreal, and I wasn't there, obviously, when the question was asked. But the way Pierre-Luc Dubois put it today, it's not like Pat Brisson sought out an audience to kind of shout from the rooftops, my client wants to play for Montreal. He said Pat Brisson was asked by Montreal media if Montreal was a place where his client would would enjoy playing. And he said, Pat Brisson said yes. Well, Dubois said, of course he would say that. I mean, just like you might, he, first of all, he didn't have a contract at the time, so he was free to speak, wasn't tampering. And yeah, it was probably a calculated answer by Brisson, but it also might have <laughs> just been a negotiating tactic. I, I What I'm saying is I don't think this was a case where he was just shouting from the rooftops, get me to Montreal. AS. Yeah, but like, what are they negotiating, Mike? They signed the qualifying offer. <laughs> I mean, there right. doesn't sound like there was any negotiating happening at all. No, with the, you know, and so I guess the only thing we know he wasn't going to sign a, a long term extension. Would he have signed a two year contract this summer with the Jets? It, you know, were they trying to squeeze a little more money? and a two-year deal that would have walked him right to UFA status. I imagine, Huss, if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois' camp, you would have liked to at least get a two-year deal here so that you don't have to deal with this all again next summer, potentially arbitration, potential offer sheet. I mean, all of this stuff. Um, so a one-year deal means that it's going to be like Groundhog Day potentially again next summer. Um so maybe that was, you know, the ultimate play. But if you're the Jets, I get why you wouldn't have wanted. If you would have signed him to two years, now you've lost any kind of control. At least they still have some additional control here up until, you know, next summer when they have to decide what to do. Um, but you're right. I mean, th there wasn't a whole lot of negotiation going on, it would appear. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, again, I just caution with some of what's coming out of Quebec 
that there's not at least a little sensationalism going on in some of the reporting. And not to say that this is a, a molehill, but there are elements to this that feel like mountains are being made out of molehills in some situations. Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, uh, I'm not surprised in the least. Um, this is a player that was thought to be one of the core guys. I mean, there's people in this chat every single week talking that maybe this guy is captain material sure. when they move on. I think you may have talked about that in the past as well. Absolutely, yeah. So when you get to this point, when you hear these reports coming out that, you know, two years from now, we're not even talking about like this is like really imminent, um, floating it out that he'll be going to unrestricted free agency. And then the concept that he's talking to Montreal, I mean, Listen, if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I'm pissed off about it because it certainly does not do anything to help the team situation when it comes to bargaining, and it puts them in a very difficult spot going into it. Um, and the other thing is that this was totally unnecessary is the fact that Pat Brisson, intentionally or not, knowing that there is a chance that no trade was happening, he'd be back in the Winnipeg Jets, have almost, you know, unfairly to the player in a lot of ways, sort of put a target on his back. Yeah. There'll be no one that'll be under a bigger spotlight next year. Every shift is going to be, um, I think, looked at with under a microscope. And there's a lot of fans that are already kind of, kind of seemingly completely turned on Pierre-Luc Dubois, despite the fact that, you know, he's a guy that I think game in and game out was one of the guys you could really count on for caring and giving the effort that, you know, you'd expect from professional hockey players being paid the way that they are. So where does this leave Dubois coming into camp? I mean, it certainly sounds like everything's cool with he and his teammates here in the team. Right. He mentioned he had a great conversation with Rick Bonus. Um, I kind of think that this is just the Truba situation part two, Mike. And the one thing I'll say about Truba, I mean, we had a lot of fun on the old show making fun of that ridiculous press conference or that press release that talked about him playing on the right side or whatever the hell right. it was. right. But once Jacob Truba signed and came back, he played his ass off, did everything he could to help the team win, and was a good member of the club. Um, so I do think that a lot of maybe what we're hearing right now in the chat and elsewhere certainly can be diminished. I'll say this, though. I'm not sure they accomplished a lot towards that goal by what we listened to today. Yeah. and Do I expect Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get booed, you know, at the home opener? No. There might be a few fans who... Uh, aren't nearly the fan of, of him that they were maybe when the offseason began. But you're right. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, he has it in his power to silence any potential critics by letting his play do the talking. And I think the player we saw last year, um, you know, would suggest that we're going to see a motivated. He talked today about a chip on his shoulder and collectively on his teammate's shoulder. And and look, Huss, it, it would not do Pierre-Luc Dubois any good on a number of fronts if he comes out and looks like a guy who's going through the motions. I mean, first of all, he doesn't have a contract beyond this coming season. And I imagine the number in his and his agent's mind is a lot bigger than six when it comes to an AAV. We also know the salary cap is bound to go up and it's believed that it's going to jump significantly starting next year, the year after this coming one. And he wants a bigger piece of that pie, but he's going to have to earn it. And so this isn't a guy, Huss, who now has his big fat contract that can just put his feet up and kind of coast. 
in fact, he's playing for his next contract. And I would also suggest, I mean, if he doesn't want to be a Winnipeg Jet long term, well, he's also playing for his next team to show them that he's a guy that, you know, they would want to go out and sign and commit long term to. We know what happened in Columbus, and that didn't really look good on him the way his tenure ended, specifically that last shift. I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois can afford to, you know, kind of napalm another bridge here with an organization and not have it potentially come back to bite him. So I suspect that, you know, he probably realizes that he may have to uh, re-earn the trust of some fans here in Winnipeg, but I do suspect we're going to see a player who does bust his ass, you know, more often than not. And fans want to cheer success. They want to cheer a winner. If, if he can help the Jets win some hockey games early in the season, I suspect most, if not all, will quickly be forgiven. Yeah, for sure. What happens if he starts off with a goal in the first 15 games? <laughs> well, then then Nassau, we've got a problem uh, for <laughs> sure. And, and, you know, you wonder, like he's 24, he's a young player. Uh, there is now, and, and you're right, some of it is his own or his agent's doing have kind of put an added spotlight on him. There's no doubt about it. Right. And so what will be interesting to see if he can hold up to the pressure or if he will thunder. I'll say this, Haas. If Pierre-Luc Dubois ultimately wants to go play in Montreal, he better get used to (laughs) the spotlight and the pressure because he ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to that. And there's a lot more of that. I mean, imagine the Habs pay him a ransom on a long-term signing. Um, He better perform Mm. to that contract or he's going to get crucified in that market. So uh, I just think whatever might be in store for him in Winnipeg might just be the tip of the iceberg. If, if his ultimate goal is what we kind of think it is. Uh, I mean, he's such a good player. He was so impactful for the team last year. You know the potential that there is going forward, especially playing with a guy like Kyle Connor with the success that they've had. I mean, you certainly hope that we'll see that next year. And um, again, you know, I mean, I'm with you. I I wouldn't say it's a 0% chance at the end of next year. And I think the best thing that could happen for the Winnipeg Jets and for Pierre-Luc Dubois is to have a great year going forward. But, it does put Kevin Sheveldayoff in a in a tricky situation in that I think the end result of this is probably going to be a trade. It could be at the deadline. It could be sometime during the season, obviously, but any point up to the deadline where I'm with you, I think the value will be maximized. You've got a player like that in his prime. You're getting two playoffs, uh, two playoff runs out of this player. Um, right. And again, you've also got the opportunity to re-sign him. Um, so with that, Mike... Kevin Sheveldayoff, you know, hopefully the temperatures cool down a little bit and Pierre-Luc Dubois will come back and be welcomed in and hopefully play well. But what is the general manager's plan of action going forward? I mean, how do they make the best out of this situation for the future of the Winnipeg Jets? And, I mean, as the other side of it is that, you know, if you know you're going to trade him and the best time to do it would be at the deadline, if he's a huge part of your team and you're playing teams doing well ask Brad for living they certainly weren't taking a bunch of offers on Johnny Gaudreau at the deadline this year and look how that turned out for sure and that that's the bridge that they might have to cross I mean what if the Jets are in a wild card playoff spot at the trade deadline next year you know and have a couple point lead are are you are you 
trading one of your best young players, one of your best players at the deadline, um, just because that might be when you can get the, the most bang for your buck with him. Um, that That's a dilemma that, you know, they may have to deal with at some point. When it comes to the overall team here, Haas, I mean, what Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't say today, but, you know, I, I suspect it's in the back of his mind, is what has this hockey team done to get better? I know he talked today about chips on shoulders and a, he said last year was a slap in the face and left a sour taste in the mouth. Um, but at the end of the day, as the roster stands right now, the Winnipeg Jets on paper are weaker today than they were at the end of last season. They have less depth. They have not replaced Paul Stasny in the lineup. Um, they've lost a bunch of depth guys, you know, from Christian Veselainen, Evgeny Svechnikov, you know, guys that, not difference makers, but they haven't gone out and signed anyone of real substance other than a handful of additional depth forwards, but no real needle movers. And, you know, right now it would appear that the plan for Kevin Shoveldayoff and company is the hope that those collective chips on the shoulders of the players that weren't happy with how last season went, that that almost alone is going to be enough to put this team, um, you know, over the top. And that along with a new voice behind the bench. Um, now there is still time and there are still potential trades and some free agents who are still out there. And the Jets do have some cap space, not a lot, but some. But I mean, to me, that's where the focus now really ought to shift away from Pierre-Luc Dubois to the current state of this team, which for now includes Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think this team is any better today than it was. And in fact, I think an argument can be made it might be worse. And that's potentially a big problem. And again, you talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois starting slow. What if the Jets start slow? And I don't know if anyone out there has looked. The first nine games are a bit of a, uh, a gauntlet for the Jets. They start the year with six of nine on the road, and they play a number of really good teams. Like the possibility of like a three and six or a two and seven start, I mean, there would be there would be a mutiny going on around here if that were the case, especially if that were the case and the Jets did very little to address the apparent and obvious holes in the lineup. Well, and we talk about the lineup and talent-wise, I mean, certainly I think Paul Stastny's a loss that you know, hasn't been made up, but we've talked so much about the atmosphere around the team, the locker room. I mean, I've said for a long time, I think Paul Stastny has sort of been the conscience of that team. Right. And for all the talk about it being sort of miserable, and that's what happens when you underperform and you lose, um, Eric Comrie was the one ray of sunshine night in and night out. And Svechnikov seemed to be sort of a light guy that was really adding to the mood. So as much as we'll talk about what's happening on the ice, and that inevitably will be what determines um, how the team does, I've got a real concern that the locker room, if it's even possible, is taking a step backward through this season. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the, pressure now falls on Rick Bonus's shoulders, right? That this is a coach and Rick Bonus, universally beloved and, and well-respected around the league. Um, but it would appear that, you know, he is going to be asked in some ways to almost be a miracle worker here to, 
to, to I wrote in a, a piece earlier this summer, Huss, that that his title says head coach, but Rick Bonus might as well have all kinds of other titles, you know, motivational speaker, psychologist, um, miracle worker. Like th- there's a bunch of things that it would appear they're banking on Rick Bonus being able to do with this group that isn't going to look a whole lot different, it would appear, than the one that wasn't nearly good enough last year. And yeah, clearly they're hoping that some players can take additional steps, but let's not forget us. Like Kyle Connor had a career year last year. Pierre-Luc Dubois had a career year last year. Nikolai Ehlers had a tremendous year. When we're talking about some of these young players, they're not so young anymore. And how much more growth can you really expect out of some of those players? And in the case of guys like Blake Wheeler, the development might be going the opposite direction, right? Like in the wrong way uh, with some of their older guys. So, you know, I, I still think that there are there are things that Kevin Shevelayoff needs to address with this roster between now and training camp. I'd be shocked if he doesn't think the same way. Um, whether he does anything about it or they just try and run it back and hope, you know, what, as the old saying goes, isn't that kind of the definition of insanity? Um, you know, that, that seems like where we're headed right now. I'll tell you one thing you want to get more of Nikolai Ehlers, um, maybe find a spot for him in the top line and, uh, maybe a guy that scores more than anyone else for the amount of time they're on the ice. Maybe you could find a spot for him on top power play. Just well, a suggestion. And just to jump in on that, but that's like, <laughs> What's the jet? What are the Jets' top two lines right now? If if camp started tomorrow, so you talked about Dubois and Connor. Presumably they're still together. Like who's their winger? Is it Ehlers? Is it Cole Perfetti? And more interestingly, what's the other line? Is it Shifley Wheeler again? Um, is it Shifley Wheeler Ehlers? Is it Shifley Wheeler Perfetti? I think we could agree based on what the Jets have right now that if you're talking about what your current top six is, it's some combination of Dubois, Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers, Perfetti. Uh, I mean, Cole Perfetti, he's not a third or fourth liner, right? So uh, I'm really curious to see what those lines look like. And is Nikolai Ehlers going to enjoy playing with Shifley and Wheeler? Like, is that where he wants to be? Um you know, Rick Bonus has some decisions to make for sure. Well, hey, just quickly on Wheeler. I mean, we were talking last week and you had said that you still think that we'll get to training camp and Blake Wheeler won't be a Winnipeg Jet. Right. Are you still feeling that way? And uh, do we know anything about just uh, I mean, we've talked about the Pacioretty deal where I was a top player with one year left of uh, the contract going for nothing. We saw the incredibly low price that Seattle had to pay for Oliver Bjorkstrand. I mean, when we see what the market is right now, um, even with holding some of the salary, which reportedly the Jets aren't really that keen on doing, it's going to be a very difficult trade to make, Mike. Absolutely. And you're right. Bang on, Huss. The Pacioretty and uh, and the Bjorkstrand deals, like they, 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 they're giving the player away, really. And Bjorkstrand's a tremendous young player um who they what, third and a fourth rounder like that it's all about cap space and i think maybe what what the jets at least based on their actions so far it, it's almost like they haven't put enough emphasis on 
on how important cap space is and how how little teams are going to give you in order to get you out of potential cap hell. Like you you're going to have to take the L on a, on a deal. And so for the Jets to think that they could move Blake Wheeler without a significant cap retention or a major major sweetener going in addition to Wheeler, I mean to me that's not realistic. And so um you know again do they do they Wheeler's probably back if they don't have something in mind that they would use his cap space for. Like if, if they don't, if there's not a player out there that they want to go and obtain either via trade or free agency. And again, the free agent market, there's still some big names and Nazem Kadri's out there, um, but not a ton of big forward names. Like what are you doing with that cap space? And, and I think that's what it boils down to for the jets. If you have to retain 50% of Blake Wheeler and all you're getting back is a fourth round draft pick. Well, the fourth round draft pick doesn't help you next season. Um, and, and now you're still paying $4 million <clears throat> for Blake Wheeler to not be in your lineup. And what are you replacing him with? And what's that costing? And how close is that bringing you to what you were going to be paying Wheeler anyways? So, I mean, the, I imagine these are the debates that True North and Kevin Cheveldayoff have been having. And right now, they obviously haven't come to a, a number that makes sense for them. And so I'm a little more on the fence when it comes to Wheeler because I just don't know what you're replacing him with. And again, by all accounts, this is not a team going the rebuild route. They're not blowing it up. So if you're getting rid of Blake Wheeler the expectation would be that you have something that is filling his skates that that can be productive. And I don't know what that is. I don't think it's internal. I don't think they have somebody, you know, who's blocked right now by Blake Wheeler from being a productive offensive player. So it would have to be something external and it's probably not coming in a Wheeler trade. Like you're not getting that player back for Blake Wheeler so you're now using the potential savings on whatever that is for Wheeler to go get that player. I just don't know what that is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there are some intriguing names that are still out there. Uh, Sonny Milano, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Danton Heinen. I'm not sure whether any of those players would contribute at the level that Wheeler has. Uh, but then again, I'm certain that none of those players would be you know, getting 22, 23 minutes a night. And I'm not sure any player on this team does next year under Rick Bonus. Mike McIntyre's with us. By the way, great crowd in here again. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Completely free, of course. Subscribe on your favorite podcast feed and um, join us every day at 1 p.m. Mike, before we go, I've got to ask you about the blockbuster between the Flames and the Panthers. Uh, thoughts on that deal? And, you know, from a Jets perspective, knowing what is at hand in the next couple of years for Kevin Dayoff with the number of these contracts that will expire, um, what can we learn or look ahead to for Winnipeg when you see how Brad Treliving negotiated the waters and got a couple of elite, elite players, albeit on one-year deals. Yeah. And that, that's the key. I mean, I don't think Florida is making that deal at all. Uh, and if they were, then Bill Zito needs to have his head examined. If he's making that trade with Huberdeau and, and Uyghur having term. Um, but I mean, credit to Brad Treliving, like he, he took a mighty swing here and he was backed into a, a major corner 
Again, Kachuk only had a list of a few teams that he was willing to sign long-term with. And according to Treliving, a couple of those teams weren't interested in making a deal. So now you're really limited. And he lands, you know, a, a terrific defenseman. And the guy that next to Connor McDavid led the NHL in scoring last year. If Brad Treliving, if he can even get one of those players signed long-term, and maybe flip the other one for some additional assets. I mean, he he's made, in my eyes, just an absolute tremendous trade. I don't totally understand this deal from Florida's perspective. I really don't. Uh, I, would, I would suggest anyone out there, go look at Florida's defense depth chart right now, outside of Aaron Ekblad, who had some injury issues last year. Their defense has taken a major hit with the loss of Uyghur. They've also lost some, some great forwards. They lost, again, the second leading scorer in the league in Huberdro. They lost Mason Marchment. They didn't re-sign Claude Giroux. Like, I, I, I say the Jets are worse on paper than the team that ended last year. I don't think the Panthers are anywhere near the team that, that finished the year. And, you know, it, it's a head-scratcher for sure, but it kind of goes with everything I've heard about Bill Zito, he can be, he's a bit of a wild card. And in that market, I, I, I mean, this is a guy that canned Andrew Brunette. No offense to Paul Maurice, but he canned the guy that was just a Jack Adams finalist that led the team to the president's trophy. To me, this seems like a massive overreaction to getting swept in the second round by Tampa that they have, they've lost their minds in Florida. And look, I, I really like Matthew Kachuk. I think he's a great player. I just don't like this deal at all from Florida's perspective. Now, if Huberdro and Uyghur both weren't going to re-sign in Florida, I understand it a bit more, and I don't know the answer to that, whether one or I think both. their concern was that they just simply weren't going to have enough money under the cap to do it. I mean, that yeah. is that certainly that's the way... The way I got it. But Mike, and I know you got to run, the, fun, the funniest part of that entire deal, certainly for us in Winnipeg, you know, Paul Maurice was often oh, yeah. criticized that, you know, you know, he has a tough time with the young players and is always leading on the uh, leading on, on the veterans. No issues now because I don't think they've got a first round pick for the entire term of his contract as coach of the Panthers. By the way, did you see the defenseman, one of the defensemen that they signed in free agency a, a week or so ago? Huss? My guy, Batetto. Anthony Batetto. Oh, and they've got Michael Delzado there as well. Um, like, it's almost like, and I don't know how much power and say Paul Maurice has in the roster configuration. They have certainly brought some Paul Maurice guys in. Is, is Matt Hendricks officially retired yet, by the way? Um, Do they need also, a director of morale in Florida? He's ready to go. To be a, speaking of Paul Maurice, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that first conversation that he had with Matthew Kachuk. Do you think his comments about Matthew Kachuk from the <laughs> bubble in 2020 came up? Where I believe he called it a, a dirty... Uh, a dirty, I think gutless was gutless, gutless might have been in there. Dirty play. He could have ended that man's career, <laughs> is what he said about the hit. Yeah, there it is. Uh, absolutely filthy, disgusting hit. <laughs> says Paul Maurice. So I imagine. Uh, well, he he needed no introduction. That's for sure to his new player. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for doing this. So, uh, what do you got cooking in the free this week? 
Yeah, so we'll uh, just a, a news story today on PLD, and then I'll put my thoughts uh, a little more extensively together in a in a column uh, tomorrow, I think, for Wednesday. And uh, yeah, we'll see what else happens. Uh, maybe take another deep dive at, at the current roster here going into the summer. And then, as I mentioned, a week of holidays coming up and down to the Twin Cities for the Jays. I'm, I'm going to write a column, actually, from Toronto on that. So looking forward to it and uh, hopefully some continued good weather around here. Mike, thanks so much. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Huss. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Follow him on Twitter at Mike McIntyre. Remo, hold that clip. We, we got to play that for people. The uh, the Maurice versus Kachuk from the bubble playoffs when the Jets took on the uh, the Calgary Flames. But before we do that, hydration break, everybody. And you know, when you need water, the experts at Culligan Water have been the locally owned source for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or your business, Culligan's got you covered. They're at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180. And check out all their products and services online at Drink culligan.com another great weekend hope you got out and had some fun uh you know that if you're working on machines whether it be uh maybe a golf cart a hot rod a boat a sea do you always need to be powered and manitoba battery has been powering manitobans is the best price in town for a long time and great supporters of ours here at winnipeg sports talk don't waste your time in the big box stores parking trying to find anyone that knows what they're talking about and then getting your item. Let the experts at Manitoba Battery save you time and get you the best price on batteries of all shapes and sizes, including the Deep Cycle 24 for just $99.50. No one in town is beating that price. And of course, Manitoba Battery will also deliver your battery citywide. Find out more at the coolest JetBlue building, 1026 Logan Avenue, 783 or check them out online at manitobabattery.com. And hey, I got to give a huge congratulations to Braxton Cunts of Breezy Bend. Braxton is the 2022 Manitoba Amateur Champion, and he becomes the first golfer in a provincial history to go back-to-back as junior champion and back-to-back as amateur champion. What a bright future for the young star out of breezy bend i know everyone proud over at the golf course and i'm uh it speaks to the incredible junior program they've got over at breezy if you're thinking about a long-term home for you and your family give our friend Corey johnson a call over at breezy bend or check him out online at breezybend.ca all right let's get michael remus back in here we are going to talk bombers in 10 minutes or so with ted wyman uh but remo can we get that clip up of, uh, I tweeted this out. I had to have a laugh when uh, we heard that Paul Maurice was uh, the new head coach of Matthew Kachuk because, of course, Jet fans will always remember uh, this very famous soundbite from Maurice after Mark Shifley was taken out by Kachuk early in that best of five series. Yeah, as I get it ready, um, I remember those comments, and I actually thought at the time that there was some validity to them that... Maybe he did do it intentionally. But anyways, here's, as I shut up now, here is that clip. A play involving Shifley when he was injured. Oh, it was intentional. Ken is a filthy, dirty, 
kick to the back of the leg. You can't see it on the program feed, but you take the blue line feed and you zoom in. He went after the back of his leg, could have cut his Achilles. It could have ended the man's career. It's an absolutely filthy, disgusting hit. Oh, that's okay, good. Okay, there it is. Okay, now, I didn't I, I take it back. Gutless was not part of it, but uh, just about everything else was in there. And listen, that was one of the great things about Maurice. I mean, he didn't hold back in the media. He often was playing an angle, and he certainly was playing an angle in that playoff spot. But hard not to get a little bit of a chuckle remembering that, knowing that their newest star player just signed for eight years, and uh, that will coincide with the coincide with the hiring of former Jets coach Paul Maurice in South Florida. Yeah, I'm really interested how this is going to work out. Um, you know, the Jets underachieved the last couple of years and struggled to play team defense, and now they've hired Paul Maurice to help a team that to hone their defense in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I'm happy from happy for him for sure. I, I just I'm not sure if he's the right guy just based on what happened the last couple of years, but uh, I think we're going to be tuning into his press conferences. No, no question. We're following closely with uh, the, Kachuk. how about the fact that they have no first rounders for pretty much the entire time he's around as head coach, at least well, on I his mean, first deal. I mean, Maurice doesn't play young players anyway, so it doesn't matter right now. That's, that's the stereotype. <laughs> that certainly here. will be the narrative. And, uh, that's um... the, that's the, well, you look at the trade that they give, I mean, for what, Drew, a couple months, Sherratt, you give up all those picks, then you give up another first-round pick. I mean, they're really going going for it hard these next couple of years, but you look at their roster on Cap Friendly, they have a number of players locked up through their prime years. And they're yeah, really Bob banking. at 10 million. Okay, not Bob, not Bob. But you look <laughs> at, sorry, Barkov, you have locked up. Kachuk, those are two guys. Sam Reinhardt's 26. You got him for two more years. Sam Bennett, three more years. He's 26. Carter Verhoeg, he's 26. You got him for three more years. Duclair is hurt. 26, you got him for two more, but he's he's hurt right now. And then on defense, Ekblad is the guy, 26. So you have all these, you got all these guys, you know, 26 to 29 window. You know, you, maybe you can, can make a run with them. The Bob contract, 33, four more years, 10 million. That's a bit of an, bit of an anchor there. But, I mean, this is Florida's time, and... You know, maybe it is a bit of an overreaction, but I think you have to like getting a guy like Matthew Kachuk for eight years at 9.5. I looked at Evolving Hockey's projections. They had him at like over 11 uh, million projected AAV. So I think that'll work. So, you know, we'll see. The battle of, uh, what did he say today? Battle of, like, I hate Edmonton still, but now I hate Tampa also at his <laughs> introductory press conference. Uh, well, listen, very interesting weekend, that's for sure. And this is a trade we'll be talking about for years. I'm with you, though. I think they're blue line. I mean, people don't realize just what a stud Mackenzie Weger is. And if somehow Calgary ends up signing even one of those guys, never mind both of them, I mean, it will be the Houdini move of all time by a general manager with his back up against the wall. Can't say enough about uh, but what they did. And here's the thing. If they do take a step back, if things don't go well, you want to know what how valuable Mackenzie Weger and Huberto will be at the trade deadline on expiring contracts? Take that one to the bank. Uh, but let's get back to PLD with a little bit yeah. more from, uh, from sure. today. One, one more thing, just as we leave Huberto, I have to uh, jump in here. Uh, his agent, Alan Walsh, tweeted out this, Alan, this graphic today. Alan Walsh. This is the quote from Huberto's press conference made into an infographic. Alan Walsh saying, this is from the media availability. I'm open to staying in Calgary for a long time. Now, look, 
maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He came out and said, I'm open to it. And I think that was enough for people in Calgary who were just spurned by Goudreau and Kachuk. So now back to back to whatever PLD uh, was saying yeah, today. Yeah, yes. we'll we didn't, we didn't get this. We didn't get this. Code. There was no infographic ready to go for Dubois it, saying fully open to staying in Winnipeg for a long time. We didn't get that today. Uh, but listen, we will grab number 10 first um because i know we're sort of focusing in on some of the answers that you know he had a tough time saying or basically didn't really answer um but he did talk about meeting rick bonus and you know i'll say this i mean i did think that he was upbeat when he spoke about the upcoming season he mentioned that he was excited to get back on the ice yes there's been no commitment long term and yes there's been certainly a lot of things around the situation that might suggest that He's on the verge of having one foot out the door if he doesn't already. Uh, but looking ahead in the short term to next season, assuming that Dubois is back, it's going to be very important that, you know, he and everyone else is on board with the new head coach. We had a great conversation with Rick Bonus on Friday's show. If you missed that, check it out. It's also available as a standalone on the YouTube channel. Um, but here's Dubois talking uh, about meeting with Rick Bonus in his conversation with the new head coach. Oh, it went well. Um, we talked to him at the beginning of the summer, then talked to him on Saturday, I'm pretty sure. Uh, found out that I, the first time I talked to him, I was in Cape Breton, uh, and he he told me he lived there So uh, when he was a kid uh, for a few years. So um, it's a small one. When I was there, it was funny. Everybody was talking to me about him, and it's a, it's a small It's a community where everybody's uh, close-knit, so they're all telling me stories about when they are kids and they remembered. But um, it, went, it was a good call. I uh, talked about um, you know, to be ready for camp and to be excited for this season and to try to add a, uh, you know, to try to add to my game and to become the, the best player I got that, that I can become. And, um, you know, I was excited. I, I think everybody on our team, you know, talking to the guys on our team, everybody's excited. Everybody's excited for this season. Um, we know we have, we have the, the expectations for us are high and, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to enjoy it as much as we can. All right, so there's Dubois on his conversation with Rick Bonus and excitement for the upcoming season. Uh, just before we bring in Ted Wyman, I do want to get a clip of Ted's colleague, Scott Billick, who had a couple questions, but and I got to give him, just give Scott a lot of credit. This one is 12, Remo. Um, you know, after a number of attempts at talking about his UFA status and not really getting an answer, Scott Billick came out and I think asked what a lot of people were saying is why it was so hard to get essentially a straight answer on some of these questions. It's like, I mean, these questions, I mean, they're fairly straightforward that you're getting. I, I'm just maybe wondering why they're difficult to answer then. Like, if you want to play in Montreal, why is it hard to just say, I want to play in Montreal or or whatever? You know, if I if I, I want to test for agency in two years, why not just t say, I want to test for agency in two years? Like, uh, I, I, maybe I'm just trying to understand why you're trying to, maybe skirting around them a little bit. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, but I'm pretty sure you've at some point changed your mind or not been sure about something in your life and who knows a year later maybe six months later maybe 30 minutes later you change your mind or you've you've thought of something different or you've thought of a different idea um look i don't even know what i'm eating tonight for dinner i don't know what i'm going to do in two years i don't know what i'm going to do in six years i don't know what i'm going to do in, in six months i am not a type of person to i i, I have idea i i'm somebody that thinks you know and i think there's there's a bunch of different opinions and there's a bunch of different ways of thinking. Um, I'm not somebody that has one idea and I set on it for the next six years. 
Um, everybody's changed their mind. Everybody's had different ideas. Everybody's at some point like something. And then maybe later they realize that, no, it's just human nature to, <laughs> to change your mind. Sometimes that's why I get you guys have articles to write of these questions, but I know sometimes questions aren't as e- the answers to these questions aren't as easy as just yes or no. I'll say this. I thought that was one of his better answers. And I know it wasn't maybe what everyone wanted to hear, but I mean, there is some truth into that. And that was why I don't think we can completely close the door on a potential long-term stay. But I think it would be a heavy underdog right now if we were doing our cool bet lines. Listen, we're going to bring Ted Wyman in right now. PLD doesn't know what he's having for dinner tonight, but uh, if you're hungry, you can get to Boston Pizza. Great spot to get together with the fellas. Check out their new summer menu, carnitas, tacos, and pizzas. Pizza flights are back. Check out the entire new summer menu at your local BP, or if you're staying home tonight, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. A great weekend. Hopefully you mixed in a couple of Little Brown jugs. Um, what a great beer we've got. Uh, the 1919, I had a couple at a couple of my locals earlier today, uh, earlier on the weekend, not today, not before the show. Um, they've got a great deal right now. Buy two Good Times variety packs and get a $15 gift card. Good Times all summer with Little Brown Jug. Purchase two Good Times variety packs and get a $15 a Little Brown Jug gift card to be used online or now in the tap room. It's valid now until July 31st at midnight. No coupon code necessary. You can pick that up online, I believe, but certainly at the brewery and tap room down on William Avenue. And hey, a shout out to our friends, Nick and Nikki DQ. I know many of you made a DQ stop on the weekend. When you do support our great sponsors, Nick and Nikki with four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's. Tons of great new summer blizzard flavors, amazing new stack burgers as well. And of course, if you need a cake for a party or a little gathering with the fam, you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and get a custom made for you for a pick, quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And as we get ready to talk bombers, we're going to do that for our great friends and supporters at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold. We'll be counting down to the Montreal game to get back for a home action for the Blue and Gold. And of course, make sure you get there early. The Princess Auto tailgate party gets op- gets going a couple hours before the game. Great deals on d- um, uh, cheap beer, $5, hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto crew. Make a point of getting out to the game and taking in the Princess Auto tailgate. And of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Let's get Ted in here. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun joins us. Ted, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, my friend, and I had to break out the hat once a summer for uh, That's right. you know, my favorite sports talk show. That is right. The drip is in full effect this afternoon. <laughs> and uh, hey, listen, I wanted to bring you on to uh, talk bombers, but I'm sure you've been paying attention to uh, what's happening with the hockey team and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, uh, what uh, what was your reaction to, uh, to what we heard from uh, from Dubois today, considering everything that has been said in the media and certainly been discussed around this city over the past couple of weeks? I found it pretty fascinating, to be honest, Huss. I mean, uh, I, I, I find it hard not to uh, find him compelling whenever he talks. He's just, uh, 
he's interesting. He sounds honest. He comes forward and he, and he, and he speaks well in these situations, especially for a guy who's not even speaking his first language. And, you know, I mean, give him credit. The people asked him questions. He answered them. You know, it's not like, I guess he did skirt around it a bit at times, but he did answer it eventually. that question that you uh, just played with Scott asking the question. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a weird situation. It has been for a while, but sometimes there's more speculation out there than truth. And we don't really know the whole story with where he wanted to be, where, what Montreal's interest was, where everything is with that. And so you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt and you have to say, okay, well, right now, as far as we know, there could be lots more to happen still. He's going to be here. And the expectation is with that contract in hand that he's going to play like he did last year. And with a new coach and new system and, and, and whatnot, maybe that could be really advantageous to the Jets if that's the worst thing that happens. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean the best thing coming out of this, I don't think anyone was expecting a complete 180 and all of a sudden you'd be signing a long-term deal. I think the situation right. is still the situation. It seems like, you know, the Jets have them under control for two years and are going to have to make some tough decisions, but certainly sounded upbeat, excited. And I mean, it is great that the qualifying offer was signed. There'll be no more BS getting closer to training camp and it'll be about putting their best foot forward uh, on the ice. Although I will think, completely well and i say self-inflicted i mean self-inflicted by his own agent in the camp um there'll be a much larger spotlight on dubois that was probably necessary considering some of the things that have happened all that being said i mean this is sort of sucking up a lot of the oxygen we can't not talk about the winnipeg blue bombers going to seven and oh on friday night ted and i mean listen it's been so much fun whether you're in the media or a fan watching what this team's done over the last number of years but uh that game was just bizarre on on Friday night. I mean, they lose the time of possession 37-14 to 22-46 and lose the turnover battle and somehow still win and cover the spread and yeah. win by double digits. Um, how do we make sense of that game? Other than the Bombers are just so damn good, they don't need to be at their best. And uh, Edmonton as a team that probably not in the class of Winnipeg, um, but Winnipeg C game missing some key players is still good enough to get the job done. Yeah, and don't forget seven completions for Zach Caleros. Only three players seven? on the entire team. He does that in a drive. Well, I mean, so the Bombers had seven catches by three players in that game. Greg Ellingson had 11 catches by himself in the previous game against Calgary. I mean, that was just bizarre. And as you said, if you look at that time of possession, you look at the number of offensive plays that Edmonton ran compared to Winnipeg, it was way more. Uh, you look at the number of first downs, you look at the yardage, everything in that stat sheet says that the Bombers lost the game, but they won by two touchdowns. I mean, that is just incongruous and it's, and it's bizarre. But, uh, you know, the one thing that is very true is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense doesn't give up touchdowns and the Edmonton Elks offense doesn't score touchdowns. This has been happening for a couple of years with the Elks. They have been able to move the ball between the 20s. It happened when Trevor Harris was there as the, as the quarterback. It's happened with the other quarterbacks they've run through this year, Nick Arbuckle and Trey Ford and now Taylor Cornelius. They just don't seem to have any killer instinct whatsoever. And yeah, you can possess the ball all day long, but if you're not getting inside the 20-yard line, you're probably not doing much. And the bomber defense gets better when it gets closer to the goal line. And obviously Edmonton's offense got worse when it was getting closer to the goal line. And, you know, I had people arguing with me because 
my lead after the game was that the Bombers had little business winning that game. When you look at the numbers, they truly did have little business winning that game. But I had people emailing me saying, well, what about the defense? Well, the defense was on the field an awful long time, and they did give up yards. But they're right. That defense seems to be able to get it done no matter what the scenario is. And this is now all of last season, much of the season before it, where that's been the case. They can give up a few yards, but they do not give up points. And it's making it almost impossible for everyone else in the league to uh, find a way to win against Winnipeg. In fact, impossible so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and for all that time of possession and all the yards they ate up, they didn't get in the end zone. And, uh, I mean, if you want to beat the best team in the league, you better be putting in some majors. And that did not happen. Of course, the Bombers had some big plays. What was interesting with the way that the Elks moved the ball was the fact that, you know, they weren't going for big chunk plays. Um, it seemed like they would pass for seven or eight yards consistently on first down and then almost run back-to-back -back sneaks, get the ball, move the chain. And, and it was bizarre as to just how much time some of those, um, those possessions were taking up, Ted. And, um, you know, at the same time, from a Bomber fan perspective, I mean, I was never really feeling that they were really pressured or having it brought to them. I mean, I think the Elks did a good job of taking what was there, but there wasn't enough there to get it into the end zone, and um, that's why the Bombers are 7-0. and Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I agree with you on what you're saying there. So I just want to touch on the last thing you said, which is that the Bombers are 7-0. and How incredible is it that this team is 7-0 and when you consider – that they're playing six of their first nine games on the, the first half of the season on the road with no buys. So they've already gone here. They've gotten to a 7-0 record. What this means is that for the second half of the season, Huss, there's going to be 12 weeks of the, of the second half of the season. The Bombers are going to have three road games, and they're going to have three buys. So in all honesty, there's no, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of beyond imagination how favorable that schedule is for them. And at very least, I mean, certainly they're going to have a tough time in Calgary and Montreal five days later is not going to be a cakewalk, but at very least this team's going to have seven wins going into the second half of the season and a schedule like that. I'm sure Mike O'Shea doesn't want to think about it or talk about it, but when you look at it, it's a pretty good position for the Bombers to get first place in the West Division and, and host that West Final again. No doubt about it. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us here, breaking down the Bombers' big win on a Friday to move to 7-0, and taking on the Calgary Stampeders on the road next weekend. Uh, before we get to that, though, we've talked about the accolades the def defense certainly rightly deserves. Huge game for Willie Jefferson, who, by the way, I mean, we always talk about what a freak Willie is. I mean, he truly is one of one. Became the first player in CFL history to have over 50 block passes and 50 sacks in the game. And, of course, was doing that, you know, at a disadvantage without the focus that Jackson Jeffcoat always gets. But offensively, seven completions was the most bizarre stat for my money in that game. But when Zach completed the football, there were some big, big plays. We were joking. Yeah. We were doing our Kubat lines and looking at the over-under for Dalton Schoen at 65-and-a-half and the number to get a touchdown. I know a lot of people in the chat went on it, and they got both of those over in one play. Uh, an 81-yard touchdown pass, 146 yards on just four catches. So there were some real bright lights, were certainly from Schoen. Um, but why do you think they had such a tough time completing passes the way they did? 
Well, it just wasn't, you know, I didn't think the offense was very much in sync. I think you're missing Greg Ellingson. You're missing Nick Dembski. Um, it was odd that they didn't really even target Car- Carlton Agadosi. They they barely targeted Drew Wolitarski. Um, Janarian Grant got one target, I believe, and he was uh, he was interfered with on that play, which helped lead, lead to a touchdown. But that was the odd thing for me is that they weren't even really looking at that guys, you know, uh, um, and Schoen had nine targets. He only caught four of them, but he still got 146 yards and a touchdown. Do you have to give the Elks some credit? I thought the Elks played pretty well defensively. Um, the Bombers, again, not really moving the ball along the ground. It wasn't terrible. I mean, I think that uh, there's been worse games this season for the Bombers uh, in the run game, but it wasn't great either. I mean, when you watch, I'm sorry, but you watch Andrew Harris playing again last night for uh, Toronto against Saskatchewan. And that guy is doing magical things still. And it's the way he spins off and it's the way he runs off tackle. And it's the way he, he makes a move or two to hit the holes that you recognize was part of what he did in Winnipeg last year that made the run game so good. I don't see the same from the bomber running backs right now. So, I mean, I know you were talking about the pass game and the completions, but if the running game's not working and you have to go to the pass all the time and you've got a depleted receiving core and a different kind of chemistry with the quarterback those things all kind of add up to me to a poor offensive game the Bombers had a really poor offensive game and then still won by 14 points which just makes you shake your head uh you know what and you mentioned Andrew Harris I'm glad you did I wanted to bring him up I mean going over the 10k mark last night with another milestone for one of the greatest careers in Canadian football league history and Ted to be honest I mean looking at what this team the Bombers have done so far through seven games what's been good, what's been lacking. I can't help but think if Andrew Harris was still on the Blue Blue Bombers right now, this would be as complete a team as we've ever seen, and I'm not sure they'd even been pressed in a game so far. Um, I jokingly put out on Twitter last night, let's see this end the right way with the Bombers acquiring Andrew Harris at the deadline and going on to win another cup. Um, I realize that as long as the Toronto Argonauts are in a good position, that's probably highly unlikely. Um, But maybe just comments on how good Harris still is at this age and how much the bomber running game is missing him in the backfield. Well, I'll be shocked if uh, Toronto doesn't finish first in the East and host the East final. And you're sure going to want Andrew Harris for that East final and uh, potentially they should be able to get to six wins. Yeah. That's all they really need. (laughs) But well, those East teams do all have to play each other here still. So there's going to be some, <laughs> there's going to be some movement somewhere along the line, but I just like the way they look. You know, Saskatchewan was so depleted last night, but you know, the, 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 Toronto won the week before and Toronto played Winnipeg well as well. I think Toronto's got a lot of talent and if they can put it together, I don't like some of the decisions that Ryan Dinwiddie's been making. I thought he made some bad ones last night, especially going for the field goal and giving up a touchdown late in the, in the second quarter. But, um, I do like what they're doing with Andrew Harris, which is exactly what they what Andrew Harris did in Winnipeg. And that's, you know, you got a, 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 de- a decent uh, offensive line that's opening up the holes and you're just giving them the rock and letting them go. And you're throwing it to him on occasion. And he looks like that man on a mission. We've seen that, that look in his eye before. It's not like it hasn't been there often. It's always there, really. It's just you never knew what it would be like when he moved away from his hometown and went to another team. But he looks just as motivated and strong as he always has. And yeah, uh, Winnipeg's running game is the one glaring issue with this team in the first half of the season. It hasn't looked dynamic. 
really at any point. I think the game in BC was really quite good. They had 141 yards rushing. That was between Johnny Augustine, who had the most yards, Brady Oliveira, the second most, and Greg McRae, who did take a handoff or two, but a lot of the times was running out of the slot back position. Um, those three, I, I think that that's the ideal for the Bombers right now. I, I actually did a story on it after that, that that's the way it's going to work for them is to have that two or three headed monster approach. But what they need is for it to actually be a monster, not just a two or three headed average 85 yards, because that's not good enough. Um, that, that run game needs a spark. I'm not sure what it's going to take to do it. I'm not sure that the holes are being opened up well enough. But I do think Brady Oliveira looks a little bit tentative when he runs. I thought he was better. I think he was a little more powerful this last game. Um, Johnny Augustine is uh, is more of a flash and dash kind of running back. And I like that you can throw him in there and make that work as well. And Greg McRae is just a straight speed guy. So you've got those options. They can get all three of those guys in the lineup. That might going to change if and when Nick Dempsey comes back. But then you've got Dembski for that option as well. And he's such a good runner. So Maybe that helps. Uh, you know, I don't want to start any rumors or throw anything crazy out there. Who knows what's going to happen with Chris Strebler going forward? Um, the bomber, great bomber quarterback from 2019. I, I don't know about <laughs> great, but he sure was uh, entertaining and a player that uh, is quite beloved in this city. Um, you know, he's still bouncing around looking to see what might happen with the NFL, but that's coming close enough by the end of the summer here. We may know more about whether he ever intends to come back to the CFL. I just wonder how much a guy like that could help a run game from the backup quarterback position and also, you know, give Zach Caleros a few less reps. I, I'm just throwing it out there. You never hey, know. We've all, we've all dreamed. I mean, since Strev was on the Bombers, they've changed the rules so you can have two quarterbacks on the That's field right. at the same time. So uh, and he can catch. I mean, he played receiver in college. <laughs> Sign me up for that. I'm sure Buck Pierce is salivating just thinking about those possibilities. So, Ted, it's a rematch with the Stamps after that thriller here in Winnipeg a couple weeks ago. Um, I mean, the team just continues to get it done. And just before we talk about this game, the one thing to me that separates, and this is credit to Mike O'Shea and the culture that he's built, but if you want to see the difference between the Bombers and all the other teams that are chasing them, you can look at coaching, composure, and discipline as being maybe more impactful this year than I can remember. Ottawa can't, I mean, some of the mistakes that Lapo's team did against the Bombers, like whether it just came to time management, never mind penalties, <laughs> put them in a big hole. Yep. And then the last two wins for the Bombers, both Calgary and Edmonton, have taken terrible roughing the kicker penalties, okay. and the Bombers have gone and made them pay for it. I mean, um, a lot of the issues that other teams are having are of their own doing, and the Bombers are more than happy to take advantage of those mistakes. Yeah, you know what? I, I agree with you. And it's not just the discipline in terms of individual plays, but we've seen ridiculous di discipline issues with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year with the whole Garrett Marino fiasco oh. with Duke Williams. You know, the it's Saskatchewan Rough Riders didn't take care of that themselves in any way. They let the league decide who was going to get suspended. They didn't cut anybody. They didn't suspend anybody on their own. That, that culture is messed up because of that. And I think it's the same in Toronto. you got Brandon Banks and all these guys fighting on the sidelines. Well, Ryan Didwitty's got to take care of that. Either they needed Mike Clements to come down to the sidelines to start separating people. That's not the way it should be, and I really don't believe that happens in Winnipeg. I don't think that happens in a culture that's created by Mike O'Shea. It doesn't I don't even think happen in practice. No, I don't think <laughs> the players would ever take that liberty 
to to be that undisciplined. And I've, I've discussed it with the numerous people. I said, do you think Mike O'Shea cuts Garrett Marino on the spot, given what the guy did, you know, celebrating after injuring a star player? And the consensus asked, answer was, that guy doesn't even get in the door. And I mean, that's the truth with Mike O'Shea. You don't, like, he demands a certain kind of player. His scouts find certain kinds of players. The GM finds and signs certain kinds of players. They know they're going to fit in with the Mike O'Shea way. Um, and then the ones that slip through and don't fit in, they don't cut, they don't make the team. So this idea that, uh, you know, Winnipeg is, they're, they're a great veteran team. They've got a bunch of Mike O'Shea guys who are veterans on this team and who are, you know, saying the same things that he's saying to the players within the locker room. And I think it's probably would be incredibly frowned upon with that team to take on an, an undis, even an undisciplined pen- penalty, let alone, do something that's so egregious to get suspended. Ted Wyman with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So, Ted, let's look ahead to the weekend, a rematch between the Bombers and the Stamps. Um, This is going to be a tough one, going on the road to Calgary. Um, But as I said, the team's just answered each and every challenge. I mean, uh, what excites you about this game? And, I mean, guess what are the big questions for you going into this week of preparation? Um, certainly, who's available? Will Ellingson yeah. be back? Will Jackson Jeffcoat be back? And uh, yeah. how the Stamps handle a home game after being right in it until the final seconds here in the peg uh, two Fridays ago. Well, and don't forget that Calgary got a buy as well. Now, I mean, I'm not writing the Blue Bombers off by any means. I mean, I've actually picked them to lose games before this season. I, I thought they were going to have trouble in BC. They had no trouble. I thought they were going to have trouble in Ottawa, and they played pretty well there and, and won that game fairly. Uh, you know, it wasn't easy, but they certainly were uh, were as good or better than Ottawa in that game. And this game coming up, though, I mean, you've got Calgary having had a week off. Calgary had a decent showing against Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago in Winnipeg. They always play Winnipeg well. Playing in Calgary is very tough. The Bombers, in fact, they did lose their game in Calgary last year. It was in garbage time, so you can't really count that too much. But um, the the factors to me point to if the Bombers are going to lose a football game anytime in the near future, that's the game they're going to lose. Uh, and I, but I really do expect another game that's going to be very close and very hard fought because that's just the way it has been with this team. They stay right in there. They got a ton of guys that battle. Zach Caleros, although he didn't do much last game, he did it when he absolutely needed to with those big plays. Um, and 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 he, to me, especially in the previous Calgary game and in the BC game, looked very much like an MOP candidate again. And he's, you know, he's been almost in those games, I think, more valuable than he was even last season because he doesn't have that run game to rely on. He's the one that's having to escape and make these you know, runs on runs to his left and then throw right off of his one foot and run, throw when he's falling down or even in this last game in Edmonton, step up in the pocket almost to the line of scrimmage and find Dalton Schoen. And obviously Dalton Schoen, it would seem, is very good at finding an open space when he sees that Zach is scrambling. And so that has a really nice chemistry to it. So I just, I, I would never, I think that in some years you'd look at this and you'd say, back end of a, of a back-to-back against the same team, except Winnipeg played one in between, and Calgary had a bye. And you would look at the standings, and you'd say, Calgary's been a good team, and they're at home. You're going to pick Calgary. But you cannot rate this Bomber team up. They've proven it time and time again that they step up to these challenges 
even if they don't have a full practice week or even a even a single practice you know they they've had that this year where they just had a single practice and after this game they go to Montreal four days later they're going to be definitely only one practice that week if they can get through that if they come through at nine and no it'll be an absolute I, I would just be amazed and you would bow and say that is really something it doesn't win you the great cup but it would be a really impressive feat especially with that second half that I was uh, detailing for you coming up but I, I, I don't think they're winning both of these games. I, I really don't think they're going to. But again, I give them, uh, I have to give them credit and uh, tip the cap because they have done a great job of stepping up in those situations to this point. Yeah, they uh, they find a way to win each and every week, and um, they do it in different ways. That was a very unique way, I will say, uh, for Friday night. But uh, stick another one in the win column for the two-time defending Grey Cup champs and bring on the stamps coming up this weekend. Ted, Thanks so much for doing this. Fill us in on uh, what you and the fellas have uh, for us in the Winnipeg Sun throughout this week and, of course, leading into uh, game day. Well, as you know, uh, Mr. Billick was handling the uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois interview today. So oh, might be something on PLD tomorrow in the paper? There might be a thing oh, or two okay. on PLD in the paper tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, definitely done a good job of making news this year. Um, so th- for sure that. And then, you know, obviously the Bombers go back to practice on Tuesday. And they practice here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll get some, uh, you know, as much coverage as possible on that. You you know, it's always uh, pretty extensive because uh, the Bombers give us a lot to write about. And uh, then Scott is actually heading off to Calgary, and he'll be covering the game on Saturday because I'm uh, going to do a family long weekend this uh, this time around. So Nicely done. Um, nicely done. Well, I'm sure Billick will hold it down in your absence. And I will say, I mean, I know in today's day and age, I certainly, the majority of the uh, the newspaper work I get from you, I read online. But last Friday, I did roll up to my favorite cells and uh, picked up a son, went through the entire game day feature that you guys had for the Bomber game. It was great. And there is still something about the visual presentation you guys are able to do in the broadsheet. So uh, really enjoyed it. I'll be looking forward to uh, the one previewing this Bomber Stamps game coming up this weekend, Ted. Much appreciated, much appreciated, Huss, and uh, I hope that uh, we get to go have a nineteen nineteen sometime soon. Damn straight. Thanks for doing this, Ted. Appreciate you as always. All right, buddy. See you. There it is, the man himself, Ted Wyman, bringing the drip today. Got that lid on his summer hat, which was so popular last year. He didn't have the same shirt on as he did last year in his maybe most famous visit to the program. Uh, but that was great stuff from our good friend, Ted Wyman. All right, uh, we got to get to uh, some cool bet lines. We'll see if we've got CFL lines yet. Uh, but hey, shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. Man, were they busy. Morris Stampede, they were all over the place. It's a sponsor there. And... Uh, I will tell you there was plenty of people enjoying the CC and Ginger as a part of Super Spike on the weekend out at Maple Grove Rugby Park. Shout out to my boy GP and the incredible team of uh, volunteers that put that event on. An amazing turnout after not having the event for the last couple of years. Um, some great entertainment. I mean, the scenes from the concerts at night were absolutely wild. And uh, we saw a lot of people trying that CC and Ginger Ale, the drink of the summer, now available in six packs at your local beer store. And, of course, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for CC and, and Ginger Ale and all the delicious Canadian Club products. You can get CC and the CC and Ginger 
at IG Field as they are the official sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we'll look forward to having a couple of those a couple Thursdays from now when the Bombers are back in action on August 11th, finally at home against the Montreal Alouettes. Um, our friends at Not Auto Corp, of course, were huge sponsors of Golf Manitoba. The Not Auto Corp Manitoba Amateur finished up last on Saturday. Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend is your champion. I think I mentioned this earlier in the program. The first ever back-to-back winner of the junior and the amateur. What an incredible performance for him. And a uh, uh, big shout-out to Not for supporting golf in here in Manitoba. And, of course, if you're looking for a new ride before you do anything, pop down and see the experts at Not. Why not get into the Carver Dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? See them at Waverly and McGilvery or check out them online at knot.ca. All right, we got to get to some horse picks for the downs tonight, but uh, let's get Remo back in here and uh, take a look at the cool bet lines. Uh, great, great hit from Ted and Mike today. Nice to see Ted got the summer hat back on, much to the delight of everybody in the YouTube chat. Great to hear from Ted on the Bomber game and Mike on uh, the Dubois Dubois drama. Is that what we're calling it? We do have the... Well, we have a logo, of We course. have a logo. We, have, we have, to, have to call it that. If you missed it. Uh, can we post this? Is this like people are saying they wanted merch? The, merch <laughs> <with this. laughs> the, the WST Dubois drama t-shirts and hoodies available now. By the way, we don't have those ready, but we do have Winnipeg sports t- uh, talks, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Check out our website at winnipegsports.com. Click on the store and uh, order whatever yeah. it is you like. And we'll let you know if this if this product is available and coming soon to the online store of Winnipeg Sports. Maybe I'll get it on like a mug like this or something. And then uh, <laughs> I'll just add it to my mug rotation. Uh, you know, we are thankful for, for the bump that uh, he's given us. I mean, we hit a thousand, oh, a thousand people. Nice. My uh, favorite player. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing um, Ted mentioned about the Bombers that I wanted to point out that I forgot. So he was talking about the Bombers schedule, just how tough it's been. I don't know if you knew this, Hus, but the Bombers have played four straight games in four different time zones. They well, were in they were I in had Toronto. no idea. We certainly didn't hear the team or the head coach mention it over and over again before the games. Yeah. They had uh, what? They had the game in uh, Toronto. Then they had to go on a short week to BC. Knocked off the, you know, everyone thought was going to be the Grey Cup champion Lions. Came home, beat up on Calgary. Another undefeated team. Yeah, and then just went to Edmonton and played terrible, but still won. So, I mean, the Bombers, their season has been been incredible to watch. And yeah, showed it to Dalton Schoen with getting the WST bump. Uh, I had him on the over oh. yards, and I had him on my DraftKings lineup in it which was a winning week for me so um this is awesome and we can we're starting to look ahead to next week thursday uh friday and then back to oh thursday friday saturday sunday this week here yeah hopefully uh the games will all go as planned and uh, let's get to the cool bet lines and shout out i i uh, saw obviously there was a lot going on on friday night but did see the tweets from everyone that jumped on from our picks on friday afternoon we got the Dalton shown over and the Dalton uh, shown TD in the same play, which was absolutely great. And I got to give a special shout out. I was so excited yesterday. I did a little video and put it up on Twitter. My guy, Tony Finau, gave him out at 14 to 1 in the lock shop. You all know that he, he is my ride or die. Tony got it done, was down five shots in the final round. Scott Piercy blew up in the final, in the back nine. Tony got the job done. 
and he wins the 3M Open. So uh, I know there was a few folks. We've gone back-to-back now with winners in the lock shop. Cam Smith in the British Open at 30-1. to Tony at 14-1. to Big pressure for tomorrow's show uh, for the event coming up this week. But let's get to our cool bet lines right now. I love Monday checking out the CFL lines hot off the press. And we've got them all. And at the beginning of the show, we didn't have the two late games. We've got them all now. Here are how things are opening. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Montreal Alouettes. Mind you, minus 125. That looks like it will be three very soon. Um, the BC Lions are a very short favorite in Saskatchewan to take on the Rough Riders. We'll see. I assume that Cody Fajardo will be back, but that is still to be determined. But BC, minus one-and-a-half. Saskatchewan, a very slight home dog uh, at plus 110 on the money line. And then we've got the line in the Bombers and Stampeders. And I knew this one would be close, um, but a little respect to the champs. Minus one favorites at plus 100. But this game, Remo, has opened as a straight-up pick em. Minus 110 on either side for the victory. And Calgary getting a point at minus 120. Um, this is... A, I, to be honest, I think this is probably exactly where we thought it should be. I mean, the Bombers are 7-0. and They are going on the road. Calgary has a little bit of extra rest. Put this one as a pick em and uh, may the best team win. Remember the last time the Bombers played a team off their bye after traveling? It was against BC, and they went and stomped them. I'm very curious. And they were underdogs that time. And they were underdogs. So I'm curious to see how this line moves. We'll wait and see also about the Bombers' injury. Is Jeff Coat going to be back there off today? Um, Ellingson, I mean, he gets eats up all those targets. Would probably help uh, Zach distribute the ball a bit more so i know i don't mind taking calgary at home i find it hard to bet against the bombers as well but i want to see what their lineup is going to be before i would jump on jump on anything no one's getting rich betting against the bombers i'll tell you that much so far this season uh final game is uh the game on the 31st ottawa red blacks five and a half point underdogs on the road against andrew harris and the toronto argonauts and Let's just get a quick update on uh, the Grey Cup odds. Bombers, a clear favorite. This number seems to go down each and every week, plus 172 Ooh. right now. So essentially, a $100 bet would uh, return $272 if you played it. Uh, the Bomber or the BC Lions, second at plus 380. Stamps, plus 425. Argos, the highest ranked team in the East. They're 5 to 1. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at plus 8. 50. Of course, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST and uh, we'll give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. And check out tomorrow's edition of the Lock Shop with golf picks so hot they set off fire alarms. Looking forward to that with my guy Dustin Nielsen, who of course has been real busy and of called the game uh, from Edmonton on Friday night. All right, we're back at the Downs tonight. Three days of live racing this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I always find I get into this groove ream of uh, checking out the uh, the races and doing our picks Monday to uh, through Wednesday, and then Thursday night comes, and I, I'm missing the track. But uh, we got the tee-off tonight of another great week. Uh, now I've been quite busy. I haven't got all my picks in yet. Uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you start things off and let us know where you're going? Yeah, I have my picks ready to go, so let me... Let me get in on here. And yes, I agree with you, Hess. We get in such a groove making selections, and then you kind of forget when the Monday rolls on. And I go, oh, yeah, the horse picks are back. So 
I'll be tuned in to the Cineboy Downs YouTube page tonight uh, as I watch my picks. I'm going with the gut feel on these now. It's been working for me. That's the way to go. Well, that's the way to do it. I was getting kind of scientific going by the numbers. It was no good. So just picking. <laughs> I'm just whatever horse stands out to me, and I've been winning money. Um, I'm going with a long shot here. Race one, four to win. I'll be your handyman. That's a twelve to one horse as of now. Race three. A horse one to win, dot, dash, dot. Um, I found it interesting. It was a program selection, and these are all $5 to win. It was a program selection, but eight to one odds. So I thought, sure, you know what? I'll, that kind of makes sense for me. Race six, horse six to win. Uh, no, no, no. Race six, sorry, horse seven to win. Buy all. I don't know. Like, I'm into buy all. I like buy all. Yeah. Some of these look familiar. Not too many familiar ones tonight. Race What's seven. crazy about race six, I'm just looking, that Mermaid Kisses and She's a Heat Wave were the two favorites, yeah. and they're both scratched. So this is sort of, I think, a, a wide open race. Um, but uh, but by all, I guess by the numbers remaining, would be the favorite. But I think this one will be incredibly wide open. Yeah, so that that's one to watch tonight, race six. And race seven, I'm picking, uh, which one? C yeah, Senior Blair. I'm tipping Senior Blair. So there you All go right. on race I'm seven. I'm going to stay on race six while we're here. And I'm going, I'm going to go with the triactor wheel or the triactor box, I should say. I'm going to take the Kamano Comet. I'm going to take the longest shot in the field too. We'll try and get a big one here. Gold digging darling. And then I'll throw in by y'all as well. So um, two, five, seven. Uh, that ends up being a $6 bet. Uh, I did the same thing for race number five. Uh, and I'm going with a, a two five eight triactor box, Sea uh, of Life, which is a heavy favorite at four to five, Ruby in the Stars, which opened as six to one, and Enhanced Finance, which was twelve to one. Uh, our final race of the night, race seven. Do you like that one? Uh, I think we're going to go with Fulkerson. Oh, your favorite Otani's back in it as well. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're going to go Ot uh, Fulkerson. And actually, I'm going to bet on Plum Lucky to win. That's it. Number four, uh, sorry, number nine, $4 to win. And uh, my final pick is going to be from race number three. And uh, let's throw a toonie on the Naked Truth, number four. Um, so we'll put that in there. Actually, I'll pop it in for two, and it'll give me a, a toonie to throw on race number four. Uh, if you want to play with us, folks, you can get on to hpibet.com, uh, open an account, bet on Assiniboia Downs and tracks around the world. And if you aren't able to make it out to ASD, um, yeah, make your bets on HPI Bet. And, of course, you can watch the broadcast live on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page. Uh, always lots of fun in the comments. And Stretch and Kirk do a great job breaking it all down an hour before the races. They get going around 6.30, 6.45. So you can certainly get their picks as well. Yeah, looking forward to tonight's races. Uh, before we wind down, us, uh, is there anything else I wanted to get to? Um, did you want to play more of these Pierre-Luc Dubois? There's one I didn't get to that we did reference. Sure. Where Murat asked him a question. It was kind of a long-winded question, but um, oh yeah, Dubois, sorry, it was a long one. He was kind of asking him, like, do you think you're better than the RFA system? And you pushed a trade in Columbus. Seems like you're trying to 
do something similar here. He, sa he said it very diplomatically, but it was almost. Do you have the question in there? I have part of it. Yeah, he's like, "Are you okay with the rules?" But this was du but this was Dubois calling out Marat's report in the Athletic. Him and Arpin saying that he was at yeah. the draft. So I kind of think we should play that for yeah. For and his to Marat's response. defense, I mean that was a joint that was a joint report from he and Arpon Basu in Montreal. And of course, that original report about Dubois being at the draft with the family and all that came from Radio Canada. Um, so you want to talk about where these are uh, get coming from. <laughs> They're coming from Murat. It wasn't like he just got that on his own. Yeah, well, here's, here's the question. One sec. I'm just wondering, based on everything that's gone on this summer, how you feel about that? About, like, are you just a guy using all of the items, all of the options within the rule book to try to make the best situation for yourself? Do you feel like teams should be able to own your rights until you're 25, 26, et cetera? Um, I'm wondering what you think about that side of things. Yeah, um, I'm, I'll be honest, I'll try to answer the question as, as best as I can. Um, I, I, I understood it. I'm just gonna, I'll try to answer as best I can. I think, well, first, I don't have any issues with the rule. rules are rules. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not somebody that tries to change it. It is what it is. Um, but I mean, except from working out this summer, I haven't really done much to influence anybody or in, you know, I've, I get a call from my agent and, you know, we talk it through and, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, like I said, when you're a free agent, you can talk to teams, you know, it's, that's part of the rule book of being a free agent. You don't have a contract. Um, you could look at all your options. Um, yeah, that's, like I said, I've, I've been in the gym 90% of the summer, so I haven't done much, uh, much to influence anybody or anything. Well, uh, on Murat. And Hey, the other one that I did want to get to, and Mike and I talked about this one, Remo, uh, is number 13. Uh, and this was a question from Jeff Hamilton, which I think is important to, to mention because, I mean, it has to be part of the equation. Um, the fact that the Jets did have a real tough season last year, and I think there's a lot of questions even still right now, late July, as to how this team is going to look going forward. Um, and, I mean, certainly I didn't think it was a great time for the Jets to be in an advantageous situation with signing a player with two years left to a long-term deal. The good thing is there's time um, and certainly a lot of options for Shevel Dayoff. But here's uh, Jeff Hamilton, who was the uh, final, I believe the final English question, uh, who was asking him uh, about, you know, potentially not wanting to sign, not to have anything to do with the really the organization or the team, but just where the team is at and what they went through last year. When you look at what the Winnipeg Jets did last season or didn't do, and when you look at the headlines they've made throughout the offseason, I think it's fair to ask, why would anybody want to sign long-term with the Winnipeg Jets? I'm wondering how much of last year, you know, what you, went, what you went through as a team last year, or maybe more importantly, what you hope to see this year with the Winnipeg Jets is playing in the position of why you haven't decided to sign long-term with this team. No, I think, I think the group is a great group of guys. I think the organization's a great organization. I mean, since I've been there, I've been treated with nothing but respect. Um, you know, my first year there was, for my standards, awful. I, I, you know, and they didn't give up on me. They didn't make me feel like I was a disappointment. You know, they didn't make me feel like anything bad. They supported me. Um, you know, they show confidence in me, even though I, I, I didn't deliver the first season. Um, 
and then last year I, I thought I improved and um, I think I can improve again. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it like that. I just think that, you know, this next deal might be for the rest of my career. I might retire um, with this. Um, you know, I just turned 24 years old. I look at myself from two, three, four years ago and I'm a completely different person. Um, you know, it's a major decision and I, I want to be sure to make the right one. Um, and you know, it has nothing to do with, 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 with stuff like that. It's sometimes, you know, you make a decision not because you hate something, you don't like something. Sometimes it's just because, you know, you have something else in your, in your, in your mind. Um, but I think the group that we have is, is a great group. I love the guys. Um, you know, I, I, I can't wait to see, them. I'm going to go down to Michigan to see some guys, uh, this summer and, and skate with a few of them. And, um, before I show up to camp, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this season. All right, so there's a little bit more Pierre-Luc Dubois from earlier today. If you popped on late, we went through uh, a number of um, the key questions and answers in the Dubois Media Conference earlier on the program. You can just uh, rewind to YouTube or uh, check the podcast whenever you have the opportunity. Hey, uh, sir, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, the big topic was that he didn't know what he was going to have for dinner. And I want to say, like, what we're having for dinner is, like, the biggest source of arguments between my wife and I. You know, everything else would get along great, but when it comes to deciding like what to eat, so uh, hey, we know I you're getting tonight. Whistle Dog, they're back Whistle, at A and W. Thank you, LTE. I swear to God, Lieutenant Eric, every single day on the Nielsen Show for over a year, asked on the air and tweeted A and W to bring back the Whistle Dog, and it has happened today. So I think it's limited time only. But uh, if you are a Whistle Dog guy, well, notice they don't come with ketchup on it. Just, I'll, just, just, I'll say, say this. It's funny, actually. I did make hot dogs yesterday, and I put out all the condiments. And my wife goes to make her hot dog. She's like, "You didn't put ketchup out." I was like, "Oh, oh right, out of boy, out of boy." Sorry. Um, I will say this about the whistle dog. I was incredibly disappointed. Um, was it a couple of years ago? Like when I went to go get one, oh. and they said it was removed. That was a horrible decision, and it should definitely it was a dark be, day. It was. I had it was a period of mourning there, and. You know, it's limited time. I think that's step one. I think he needs to start, needs to start tweeting at Wendy's to make the, uh, the bacon, bacon mushroom melt a permanent menu item because it's better than the Baconator. It's an excellent burger. It's, like, here for a couple months, um, a year, or a month, a year. It's stupid. Make it, like, just that have it all the time. That should be the number one burger on their menu. That yes. should be the feature nonstop, 12 months a year, 24-7. Um and, and we've been talking about this for about five years. I still don't get it, but I don't get it. That's the way Wendy's is uh, way the way Wendy's is doing it. Hey, uh, a couple uh, things that I do want to get to. Um, I mentioned I was all fired up about Tony Finau. That certainly wasn't the biggest story in Canadian golf yesterday. Here it was big with the amateur. Um, but Brooke Henderson is now a two-time major winner. What an incredible tournament she had overseas at the Evian. Back-to-back 64s was the best two opening scores in the history of a major. Um, And then after a tough front nine with a bogey and a double bogey, she birdied three of the last five holes, including a birdie on 18 to win her second major. She is the most decorated Canadian golfer of all time and now has her second major for the trophy cabinet. So uh, huge shout-out to Brooke, the queen of Canadian golf. Um, and I know we don't talk a lot of track and field dream. And I would imagine if this was 10 or 20 years ago, this story would be even bigger. 
Um, but Canada wins the four by one at the world championships. Um, you know, it didn't go well for the Canadians as far as the individual event, but a gold medal for the, uh, the most exciting relay in sports is, um, huge, huge Andre de Grasse just outlasting his opponent at the wire for Canada win gold. I love watching him run that last leg and you see the acceleration and he burns, uh, burns you know, by his opponent. So uh, he's been doing this for a couple of years in Canada, four by 100, uh, pretty awesome, huge event there in Eugene. My dad has been keeping me posted uh, with all the updates. So um, yeah, a couple, uh, couple notable things coming out of there. No doubt. Hey, just on the way out, what the, who are those guys wearing Boston Red Sox uniforms on the weekend? <laughs> I well, mean, that- I had I had threw a little scratch on the Jays on Friday night, um, along when we were making our bomber picks, and I got to the the pub I was watching the game at, and they had the Jays on one TV, and I looked up, and it was like the fourth inning, and they had twenty runs. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, and uh, the Red Sox didn't get any better throughout. And uh, Schneids, as they call him, the new manager of the Blue Jays, now what six and one since taking over for Charlie Montoya. Seems like um, that move by Ross Atkins was welcomed by the players, came at the right time, and uh, the Jays are playing well, and the Red Sox look like uh, about a single A team. Yeah, that I know. I want to say the Kachuk trade was the craziest thing on Friday, but the Blue Jays scoring twenty eight runs over the Red Sox outscored <laughs> the Bombers, and the Bombers won. <laughs> pretty, pretty in- incredible uh, for the Blue Jays. Uh, they're back in action. Uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals this week. And I do want to say this. I'm getting kind of annoyed at some of the reporting by big MLB insiders whenever a, um American you know team, which is every other team except for the Blue Jays, star goes, can't go to Toronto because they're not vaccinated. Um, the Blue Jays are at an extremely you know big disadvantage compared to the, all the other teams where if they had an unvaccinated player, they would only be able to play half of their games. Same rules in the U.S. and Canada. Novak Djokovic. Probably isn't going to be able to play in the U.S. Open later this month. So I'd like to see that that narrative narrative change or just you know, change change the rule for the government. But the idea that the Blue Jays are getting, um, you know, help by a this. Big be- a big advantage or something adv- like that is yeah. a joke. They just joke. were better at getting their team to buy in, um, mm-hmm. make sure they were vaccinated so they didn't have to deal with this BS. And uh, yeah, I think that... The cards are going to be without Nolan Orenato and Paul Goldschmidt for these yes. two games. So, so uh, big games. Listen, that's on them. Don't blame the Blue Jays. The rules are the same, whether which uh, side of the border you're crossing. Um, well, we'll touch on that a little later on. Maybe we will. If we have some time, yeah. Dubois drama, you know, maybe it's going to quiet down a little bit after today's presser. We'll have a little bit of time to uh, check in on the Blue Jays because we didn't do that last week with everything that was happening in and around the team. There, there's the logo. Oh, I, I have. Okay, wait. I have two. I never asked. Which would, so this is the one version. Mm-hmm. It's just like, but this one has like uh, the little microphone at the top. So I like that one. That you, you uh, that like would look great better? on a jersey. Great on a hoodie. Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon to the WST store. The Dubois drama shirts it's uh uh, it's been good for the show we've had a lot of fun talking about it and i will say this just to wrap the program um you know i appreciated him coming and doing that today i do think that he stickled handled around a few answers that he should have known that he was obviously getting um but there's a lot of runway here for both the player and the team 
Um, the most important thing is that he signed a contract. Sounds like he's got a very positive attitude going in. I think Rick Bonus can have a real effect on Pierre-Luc Dubois and this team. And as I said, I don't think anything is off the table. Some things are far more likely than others, and I think a trade would be more likely at some point. Um, but you never know what happens if uh, the team can put together a good season. And you heard Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to Michigan for a bit. I'd imagine that Kyle Connor is probably one of the guys that he'll be hanging out with. And if those two guys can uh, build on what they um, achieved together last season, next season, um, you know, maybe there is a future or at least uh, a situation scenario where we could see Pierre-Luc Dubois considering sticking around here long-term. Bottom line is the Jets can't lose him for nothing, uh, but they've got him inked to a deal. I think that makes him more tradable as well, whether that's now at the deadline or next off season. Uh, that's going to do it for us, gang. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Another great turnout today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. It is totally free. Hit that red subscribe button and follow us on your favorite podcast feed as well. So you get the audio feed and speaking of the podcast, we got to get that up. So we'll rip out, but we'll be back tomorrow. Um, I think we might have, is Weber coming on tomorrow? Yeah, I you know Ken's golf schedule kind of we had a regular schedule there one and Ken's golf schedule kind of messed with it. So we Ken's good for tomorrow. All but right. Then, but Jeff has informed me he wants to go back to Monday and Marat wants to go back to Wednesday. All right. So well, we'll make that Ken's happen gonna, next week, but Ken is Ken is tomorrow. Ken's going to need to figure that out and we we'll, we will have the hammer. All the guys will be on a little later on, but uh, Ken will be on and we're also going to talk to I'm really excited about this. Uh Vasek Pospisil. Canadian tennis star is here for the National Bank Challenger Tournament. He plays tomorrow night in a feature match in the first round. So we'll uh, tee up that tennis tournament. First time since 2019 we've had the challenger back here in Winnipeg. Vasek Possible so playing in it. And he will join us tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. Big thanks to Mike McIntyre and Ted Wyman and everyone that joined us today. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube and later on the afternoon in your podcast inbox right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.